Welcome back, everyone, to Catfish and Ice. This is episode 62 uh, of the season. We're getting closer and closer to Nashville Predators hockey. This is Chad Minton, your host, with Rick Colin Bluin. We're back to full strength. We got Colin back, so we're happy about that. And we hope everyone's having a good week so far. As uh, we've had a lot of news come out today with Houston Sorrow, so we're about to get into all that. And of course, we are presented by DraftKings. That's our sponsor. We've got college football coming up. We've got a lot of sports coming up. And of course, everyone is diehard college football fans down here in the South. And DraftKings has a really good offer for you going right now. If you use our promo code THPN, you can go out there and start betting on some games. Start uh, putting your bet out there. So go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN. Get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And of course, it is safe and reliable. You can get your deposits really quick So uh, when you're winning. So go ahead and do that. Get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. We are back to full strength tonight because we have our co-host, Colin Bluen back. He's been he's dealing back. a lot. He's got a, he's got a new job. He's living in a new part of the country. He moved from Cincinnati to Atlanta area. So, Colin, welcome the hell back. We're happy to have you. Let us kind of know what you've been up to lately. Yep. Yeah, so it's been, it's been a whirlwind. We moved into to Marietta, well, Marietta, Kennesaw border, kind of uh, north of Atlanta, uh, July 1st. So that was it's been really kind of a, nice to get settled in a little bit. We're about 15 minutes away from the battery for those that are Braves fans out there. So uh, pretty close. To that. We haven't caught a game yet, but we're, we're close to them. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind. I started a new job with uh, my organization. I'm actually, uh, I was a member of fraternity in college and supported students through higher education uh, through my past jobs. I actually just wanted to start working for my uh, national organization at the national level. And so what that means is I'll be uh, traveling to the Southeast and supporting uh, collegiate men as they try to work with leadership That's development awesome. and getting involved with service. Yeah. So been really rewarding really so cool far. Been, uh, yeah. I've been on the road, uh, went to Oxford, Ohio for onboarding. That's where they're located. And that's where the headquarters, which is funny because I used to live 35 minutes away before we moved to Georgia, <laughs> but that's just how it works sometimes. Um, hey, we're, we, both, uh, we're both, we're both rocking, rocking the Preds polos tonight. And I swear <laughs> yes, to all of our uh, viewers and to our listeners, we did not coordinate this. I think this is the <laughs> second time. I think this is the second time this has happened for an episode where me and you just showed up. I haven't worn this got, polo. All- I haven't. I haven't worn it this is. polo in like 20 episodes, and I picked. Are, I, I finally picked precious. this. I finally, I finally pick a new episode to wear this uh, polo, and uh, we're both we going got the bald thing going for it. Yeah, yeah all three of us. So. I swear yeah. we did not coordinate this. We did not coordinate this. <laughs> None of us are wearing hats. We got two of us wearing polos here. It's all good though. Uh, but yeah, so we uh, we went to did that went to Denver, Colorado for vacation, which was awesome. Um, a little hazy out there, you know. I know there's some fires out there in, in Paris. Everybody that's dealing with that, but um, Denver was fantastic. Great beer, oh, yeah. great food. Uh, we got to see a Rockies game. Got to actually place a few bets out there for the Rockies. That's Gave cool. me a rooting interest because otherwise I wouldn't cheer for the Rockies anyways. Yeah, um, but it, it was a lot of fun. We're well, a Diamondbacks uh, fan, so you can't be going I, for another uh, division team. No, but the only the only thing we have that's good right now is we have that kid, the rookie that threw the no hitter. Other than that, we don't really much. Root that was Cool. That was a cool thing to see. Yeah, we're rooting for the first overall pick at this point. But yeah, I was uh, (laughs) I flew to flew to Oxford, Ohio last Monday 
flew back to Atlanta on Thursday, flew to Denver on Friday, flew back to Atlanta on oh, Monday, wow. flew to Oxford on Tuesday, came back this Saturday. And yesterday and today were my first full days back. And then I'm going to be flying to Arkansas um, Thursday. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit. You're all over the place. Wow. All over travel, the place. Travel. <laughs> but the good thing is I'm, I'm, I'm relatively local. So that's going to help. Rich, how are you doing, man? Doing good too? Doing good. Yeah. Everything's going, God, everything's going good been, up there in Kentucky. Haven't been leaving the house. Colin's been flying all over the country. Yeah, he's Colin, Colin's, tra- Co- uh, Colin's traveling for both of us because I, I mean, I went down to St. Pete a couple weeks ago. But other than that, I've been pretty much here in Nashville yeah. as well. So uh, we we got some news to get into here because UC Soros finally got his contract extension. So we're going to give our thoughts on that. We're going to talk about yes. how we feel about it. I'm going to go ahead and make a really wise assumption that we're all very pleased with this contract, but we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about press development camp, which is underway, started today. There are a lot of really exciting prospects that are on this list that are out there playing. Uh, You saw a lot of images on social media today of the players doing drills, smiling for the camera. Uh, So we're going to touch on that. And, of course, our main topic is going to be our most hated teams that we have right now currently. Currently, how we're feeling right this second. That's what we're going to do. We're going to each – give our top five most hated teams we have as Preds fans right now going into this new season. And so that'll be really fun to uh, to unveil for our fans. We also have a lot of really good uh, responses on Twitter. Uh, follow us at Catfish Ice on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well under the same tag. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of really good responses on Twitter. So we appreciate everyone for that. We're going to share those responses. And – of course, if you download the podcast tomorrow, if you're watching the stream right now, uh, we had a really awesome meetup with the Tell It As It Is podcast, which is a fellow member of the Hockey Podcast Network with us that covers the Colorado Avalanche. And so we had a meetup. We talked We talked about our teams. We got, got each other caught up on our off seasons as the Avalanche are rejoining the Central Division. And so uh, we're going to be seeing them a lot more now again since we didn't get to play them last year. And I'm not really looking forward to that because no, most of you all. know that the Avalanche are stacked. So, uh, yeah, we had a good conversation. So go download the podcast tomorrow if you haven't already uh, when that drops tomorrow and listen to that conversation. And so, yeah, so UC Soros got his contract extension finally. Four-year deal, an average annual value of $5 million per year comes right in there in that neighborhood that we all thought at bare minimum he deserved. And so let's start with Colin here. Colin, give me your initial thoughts on this. I'm sure you like it, but kind of let us know what this, what this, what does this really say about Poyle? Do you actually think this is a really good, um, uh, this is like a win for him in the win column when it comes to his moves this off season. Do you feel the same way? I think it's a win for for I don't know if it's a win for Poyle. I think it's a win for just the team and, and the guys in the locker room. I think the locker room is a big winner here. That's not, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say that. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a win for the front office. I mean, they, they got the deal done before arbitration, so it's a victory. But it's like one of those things where it's hard fought. Um, you know, the deal is four five six five, so that's how it breaks down. So that third year is going to be a little bit pricey. Hopefully, we have some cap room and we're we're good there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I think that my biggest thing is you don't want your franchise to gain the reputation of being cheap. There's a lot of examples throughout major league sports um, across multiple sports and even in the NHL of franchises trying to be cheap, trying to lowball some of their stars 
Um, I mean, even look at the Arizona Coyotes, you know, granted they're also just constantly in a rebuild, it feels like, but um, they just, they don't spend on some of the people they should probably be spending on to really be competitive. And so with this, you know, it, it, we knew the deal was going to get done. It was impending. They, they could not let him walk. I mean, there's no other option. No, yeah, we knew. I, think you, uh, I think UC had all the cards on the table. He, he, he knew, and, and he was the one that was calling their bluff, but it's, I don't think it was the best look for the Preds. I think that they could have handled this probably better. Um, I think, you know, obviously you don't want it to go to arbitration and it didn't go to arbitration, but the fact that he had to file, even that is still kind of a, a little bit of a sore mark. It is a, a tool for the players and it happens a lot more in the NHL than it does in any other league, but it still kind of stinks because from a, from our perspective, it kind of looked like they tried to lowball the guy that pretty much saved your season. We don't make yeah. the playoffs without UC Soros last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Colin. I think it's, I think, uh, it's a good deal. Um, I feel like Soros is probably worth a little bit more than that. But, um, again, it, I love the term. The four years is perfect because yeah. that's that's kind of where you expect Irislav Askarov to come in here and um, be ready to go if he truly is what everyone's saying he is, every scout says he is. Everyone expects him to be the next franchise goaltender, of course. And so – it's kind of some. It's kind of awkward because you've got this yeah. great young goaltender like UC Soros, and then you've got Escar. It's a good problem to have, but then you have Yaroslav Askarov coming behind you as well. But um, I think it's the four years is great for me. Uh, Five million is a per per year on average salary. I know it changes. I think the what is it? The first year is uh, four six five and five. Yeah, four six it's, uh, five four, and five. Four, Here it is. It's four five six five. Oh, yeah, yeah, four, five, that's six. That's yeah, four, five, six, year. five. Yeah, so four, five, six, five. Yeah, and so, um, but it's average five million per year. That's a steal. That's a bargain. Um, and so now, here's where I'm looking at it. Here's where I'm really thinking about it. And I, I've seen other people say this too out there. Um, let's say Askarov comes in, and for whatever reason, he's just ready to go sooner than we think. That fourth year, maybe you use Soros as a trade piece. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but that's going to be a very likable contract for a lot of teams who are looking for a goaltender. And so um, the Preds really put themselves in a good position here, I think, with this contract. And I think Soros should be happy too because he is getting a big pay raise. I, I tend to agree with you. I think that, I mean, it's a, it's a tough situation to kind of equate because a lot of people are looking at him, Askarov is like, you know, the next Vasilevsky, and that's just, we don't know. We won't know. That makes me really nervous. When people throw that around, when, when people throw that comparison well, around, it makes me really nervous. And I see it on Twitter because people are actually, some people are mad about the deal. Like, why would we sign him for so long if we know that he's going to come in? But that's a that's a huge bet to make. I mean, and Grant yeah. Vasilevsky was 21 when he first started, you know, in the NHL. Um, I think Askarov has at least two more years to go anyways. And realistically, I'd rather ease him in than kind of put him in the way Vasilevsky got put in. Um, I mean, he didn't do bad by any means, but there's, that's not the Vasilevsky is the exception, not the norm. And I think just because there's some similarities because they're Russian and they're highly touted prospects does mean they are the same player. Um, It's going to be, I think this is good. At the very least it's a transition piece. Those back two years, like you mentioned, they're possibly trade, you know, that's a possibly trade opportunity if he's still playing at the level he's playing. Um, we've been lucky as Predators fans have a good pipeline. So, you know, hopefully we're maintaining that. And, and realistically, you probably take another goalie in the next three years anyways. Um, not to say that that's going to be your starter, but just realistically, you have to have that pipeline. You have to have those prospects because you never know what's going to happen in the NHL. How do, you, how do you feel, Rich, about our uh, tandem here? So we got Soros. We've got David Riddick. Um, how, do you, how are you feeling about that? Do you feel, I feel like that's the strength of the team. 
Um, oh, I mean, this is how the team's going to have to make hay, and that's nothing new when it comes to this team. A lot of Preds fans know that we've always had to rely on really <laughs> strong goaltending, and I do think that the Preds have done a really good job this offseason of ensuring that once again they can at least check that major box off that they've got really solid, sturdy goaltending. Do you feel the same way? I do. Um, I think it's going to be the ball is definitely in Saros's court. We've mentioned it numerous times about him getting off to slow starts at the beginning of the season, and that is just that's just not an option this season at all because if they get off to a slow start, they're going to be in a hole early. Um, I think that Poyle actually got a little bit of a bargain with him. I've seen a few graphics for like comparable goaltenders and all of them got deals over $5 million a year. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember them all. No, one of them was Thatcher Demko. Um, That's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. That was the big one. So, Adam, you know, Adam, Adam Vinian, Adam Vinian, the athletic. Yeah. That was who, his, his coverage has been outstanding as always uh, with this whole sorrows thing today. And he shared, um, yeah, it's right here. Top comparable contracts for UC Soros, according to Cap Friendly. Uh, Thatcher Demko of the Canucks, five years, $25 million. Mm -hmm. So that's $5 million per year. Um, I'm not strong in math, but I'm pretty sure that's $5 million per year. Uh, <laughs> two, Igor Shesterkirkin for the New York Rangers, uh, four years. Yeah, I'm not going to even read that long number, but it's basically a little over $22 million a year, or $22 million total over four years. And then you got Matt Murray of the Senators, four years, four years, twenty-five million. Uh, yeah, like I'm sorry, Matt Murray is nowhere near in the same conversation as UC Soros, if you ask exactly. me. But he's but not that's really your, his former self. So, but yeah, those, so you, I think Paul got off. The, go ahead, real quick, Rich. Actually. I was just gonna say, yeah, those comparable contracts, and this is to your point, Rich. You got to think that Soros is better than all three of those players. No, and so if you're if you're just going off the market. And what the market said that Soros is worth, yeah, Poyle got a bargain. He did get a bargain, and I think with like we talked about with the the four year deal, that's that's perfect too. Because you know everybody's excited for Askarov to show up, but I'm I'm pretty sure he's got two more years in the KHL at least. Yeah, at least. So then you know if he if he's ready to go when he gets here, that's two years with Soros. He might have to go to the AHL, so that's three years. You know, two years KHL, one well, AHL. It just depends on when they bring him in. Well, here's the deal: after two years, let's say he comes to the NHL after this, after the next two seasons, and Soros is still fully playing well, and he's definitely the starter. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't see why you would throw him into the AHL right away. Why not? Why not give him a backup role if he's really yeah. as good? If he's really as good as the scouts say he is, then I don't see a point in prolonging his NHL uh, debut right. by putting him in the well, AHL to start for a full season. Yeah, that's why the well, four years is perfect because it's it's like yeah. a good buffer. Like if Soros had a five-year deal or even longer, which that probably wasn't going to happen anyway. But I think that's what have, Soros wanted. I think that's kind of what the arbitration thing happened. He, he yeah. did, but um, I well, think that this deal, though, like that gives a nice – a nice good number where Soros won't be lingering around and Askarov can come in if he, if he's ready. So I think it's yeah. all the way around. Well, I, will, I will say even Vasilevsky going back to that, when he first got into the league, he started that 33% of the games usually. And it was then, you know, someone else is 66%. So I think if you get in those, those back two years of the contract, if you give UC 60% of the starts and you give Vasilevsky 30% of the starts, um, that gives him a good way to ease into it, but we're not necessarily depending on him from a season standpoint. And then honestly, the four years, I, I feel kind of, 
I don't want to say it's, it's bad, but I think that this is like the time where we're going to do, be developing. And you see Sarles is going to be that guy that's going to have to be – we're going to yeah. win on his back if we win, but he's going to be the guy that lets him develop in front this of him. Is also, but this is also a great opportunity for his career where he can yeah. show like, hey, I can put a team on my back here. And that's what a lot of the great goaltenders, that's what they do. And so um, I, I, I feel mean, bad for Sar- – to that degree, I feel bad to, for Saros if he's going to have to – play on some bad teams here for the next couple of years because the team is kind of rebuilding. But it, in the same degree, it, he's got a chance to show the NHL, Absolutely. hey, I am one of the best goaltenders in this league, and I'm going to show you how I am by carrying in this Preds team that's so um, low yep. skill on paper, and I'm yep. going to carry them farther. Yeah. Well, he, he did it. He did it last season at the end. You know, you count yeah, how so, many games but now he's got He's got to do – he now he's got to do it for a full season though. But now he's got to do it for a full season. You're not you you got. Well, the, I, he's also go never ahead, had a full training camp. He's also never had a full, full training camp either. So I think having it's, you know a full yeah. training camp will be tremendous. If I'm UC Saros, though, I would have gone with the classic NHL contract of trying to get your number in the decimal because it's usually like five right. point your number. I would have gone four point seven four or five point seven four yep. just to like squeeze a little bit out of the extra out of the Preds because it's like you maybe go through this trouble, pay me a little extra, pay me pay me my, my numbers worth, but. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting yeah. situation. There you go. It is very funny. Hey, we but, got a. We got yeah, a so Lin- that's Lin- that we, we, we were waiting for that to us, come along. Guys. Lindsay's on here with us. What's she's up, Lindsay? New, uh, she's a David Riddick fan. Hanging out with us. She's, she's a, a Calgary Flames fan, and she's a David Riddick fan. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to Welcome. the podcast, Lindsay. We appreciate you. Want to shout out real quick? Yes. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, so that's some good UC Soros news that we were waiting for. And so we Very can get much. that out of the yeah. way now. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen's still lingering around out there. That's the one contract we kind of have left that we're waiting to see something with him. But other than that, a lot of your offseason um, to-do list is pretty much over with. And so now we can really start focusing on uh, training camp and what's actually going on right now, which is the Nashville Predators development camp for the prospects. And uh, so let's let's hit on that real quick here in episode 62. And here's the uh, development ro- camp roster. Um, I'm I'm going to go through the main ones. I'm not going to list every player, but I am going to name the ones that really stand out. And you guys can also throw in some other players if I miss somebody that, that's not really sticking out. Of course, Philip Tomasino is on there. Uh, I cannot wait to see what he can do at this camp. I want to see him be a leader. If he's truly ready to be an NHL player right now, then I need him to stand out during this camp. I mm-hmm. need him to be a leader. Uh, so I'm ready. I'm ready to see that. I want to see what he can do, and I have no doubt that he'll do that because he's impressed every level of play he's ever played on. So I, I have no reason to think he's not going to do that during this development camp. Uh, another player that really stands out is our first round draft pick from this past draft, and that's Zachary Larue. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see him out there uh, getting in these drills. The four on four scrimmage is going to in the development camp. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch the development camp. Uh, this uh, four on four scrimmage here to see what these players do against each other, competing against each other. Uh, Rich, I know you're really high on Zach LaRue and you love that pick. Oh yeah, definitely. I saw some pictures today. The flow. Uh, people taking pictures. Yeah. He's got, he's got like sides of his head shaved and kind of like yeah. a curly mullet. Thing got, going almost there. like the Viking look, almost like the Viking look. I yeah, want to say a little, like a little almost, bit. All right. He so said, here's a he said something today about uh, somebody interviewed him and he said he's he likes to get on people's nerves and that's his game. I love it. He's ready that's to, what we he's need. Ready to, give it to me. Give that. To do, give so. all of that to me. 
Uh, here's a player I'm really excited about who's been in the system for a little bit, but he has still not played AHL minutes yet, and that is Igor Afanasyev. And I really want to see what he can do in this camp. Um, I'm ready for him to take that next step forward, whether that's with Milwaukee. He's gotten some experience in the KHL now, which is invaluable. And so um, he's kind of a player that I feel like everyone was really excited about when he was drafted, uh, second-round pick. And uh, now it's like I feel like some people have forgotten about him. Like they've forgotten mm-hmm. that this guy's stowed away down in our prospect pool right now. And he is a big-bodied guy, six foot four, a big guy. And he's got a great lethal shot. And so I cannot wait to see what he's going to pull off during this development camp. And then we've got Luke Evangelista out there who was um, also a second-round pick in uh, the draft before mm-hmm. this past one. So I – all the metrics have been really good on him since he was drafted. On the defensive side, we got David Ference, who uh, has mm-hmm. really, really high expectations. Uh, Colin, don't you think David Ference deserves some NHL minutes sooner rather than I later? do. I, I really like him with Fabra, too, because, I mean, they play together at BU together. They know each other yeah. well, and that's a pairing you can rely on. But I, I like him better than Ben Harper. I'll, I'll put that out there. I'll <laughs> yes. Make that hot take. So he's, so yeah. he's going to be attending the camp here. Uh, some other defensive players. I mean, you've got Luke Procope out there, so we're all excited to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you've got some players that kind of have to prove themselves that don't have a lot of um, stature right now within the organization. So we'll see if we'll have to see if any uh, prospects kind of elevate their status within the prospect pool, which is what makes the development camp so fun to watch. Goaltender side of things, they got four goaltenders. Devin Cooley, we've heard a lot about him for a while. Uh, Ethan Hader, uh, Brady James, and Thomas v- Vomaka. Vomaka. Vomaka, yeah. Vomaka, yeah. yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah, so we got four goaltenders. We'll see how they do. Uh, so any other players that I didn't name, guys, that you were, like, really, like, intrigued by there's, this camp? So there's a there's a couple that I really like. I'm, I'm really excited about um, Grant Mismash from uh, from oh, North yeah. Dakota. Oh, played yeah, in yeah. the played in NCAA level. He played in that the longest NCAA game in history. It was like that five overtime one against uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. Duluth. Um, he's he's gotten some good marks. Uh, you know, I, I think you mentioned Luke Evangelista. Excited to see him play the all the all name team. Gunner Wolf Fontaine. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can't be that on the defensive side of things. I'm excited about Spencer Stats. Uh, he played for Notre Dame. Um, you know, it's good pedigree, and, and so he, I think he can you know, bring something to the table. Um, maybe not as you know an NHL player just yet, but possibly as someone that can crack the AHL roster and be there. Uh, Thomas Vermaka actually excites me from the you know, the goaltender mm-hmm. from Connecticut. Um, he's played well for them and, and had some good stats. So I'm curious to see uh, if he can break into like the top three tandem of the goalies um, and you know take away Dave, Devin Cooley's seat from what it looks like. Uh, but yeah, there's it, a lot of good prospects to look at. Yeah, because in Milwaukee right now, Connor Ingram is still like definitely the the uh, the, the de facto yeah, yeah, number one starter, yeah. and so uh, he we're looking for Connor Ingram to really uh, go back to the form that he had uh, in 2019 for Milwaukee when they were the best team in the AHL, and so uh, it's exciting for to those. see Milwaukee Admirals hockey come back again this season. Yeah. So I'm really I excited personally- to watch that. If there's one thing I wish the NHL would do going into this next season, it's that I wish they would keep the taxi squad. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it does a lot for player development that they can play with the actual pros at that game, at that speed. And Connor Ingram, I kind of wish we could see him in some NHL minutes. Um, I don't wish yeah. anything bad on our goaltenders that we have, but 
he he was the best goaltender in the NHL before everything kind of went south. And so um, yeah. I'm curious what he's going to look like. Yeah, I, I kind of fall on the side of things where I really want to see one more year of, of wire-to-wire AHL experience for him. And if he just goes out there and just dominates again and he's like just yeah. – uh, he replicates what he already did for a full season in 2019, then um, that puts you in a really strong position uh, going into not this coming season, but the next season. And uh, sorry, Linz, I know you're a big David Riddick fan, and we are very <laughs> happy to have him. He's going to serve his role very well as a backup for Soros. We needed a, a trusted veteran, and we got David Riddick. And so uh, that I like the move of getting Riddick because I don't think – uh, was ready for that full-on backup role just yet. I didn't feel yeah. super comfortable with it. So, um, but yes, uh, Connor Ingram is absolutely the uh, next person up in the prospect pool when it comes to making the NHL jump. And so, um, but yeah, we're gonna watch these goaltenders. Uh, Rich, do you have anyone else on the on the on the roster we haven't named yet? We named a lot of just, them already. No, that, that pretty much covered them all. Just I was more like interested to see the goaltender guys because. Um, if you look at it realistically, they're all kind of like shooting for a spot to back up Ingram in Milwaukee. So, you know, I would I think it would be that, Devin Cooley. But, but you go, back to, go back to Tomasino. I really want to see him have a strong camp. Like, I do too. Um, because he's got a, he's putting out, you know, he's a very confident person. There's no lack of confidence with Philip Tomasino. And he is ready for that NHL moment. He says he's ready. You would expect him to say nothing less than that as a competitor. And so I want to see him go out there and just dominate. I want to see him impress coaches. I want to see that four on four scrimmage. And I want to see him out there being that leader. It's like, Hey, I'm a man amongst boys here. Like I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to the NHL roster. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, it's, it's going to be exciting. I haven't been this exciting about a, a press development camp in a long time. And I guess when you're rebuilding, that's what it'll do to you is you start looking at the younger players. And so let's see how it goes. And so, again, you're listening to episode 62 of the Catfish and Ice podcast with Chad Mitten, Colin Blue, and Rich Howe as we are back to full strength, and we are presented by DraftKings, and we are a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Later on in the episode, if you've downloaded the uh, episode tomorrow, when we drop it, we've got a really good conversation with the Tell It As It Is podcast who covers the Colorado Avalanche, so stay tuned for that later on in this episode. Let's go ahead and get into our – uh, main topic, and that is we're going to have a little fun here because <laughs> hockey fans are passionate. We love our teams, and just as much as we love our teams, we equally hate our rivals. And I know hate's a strong word, but when it comes to sports, we uh, maybe despise is a is a is a nicer word to use. But uh, we're going to unveil our current top five. And my list has changed. If you asked me this same question this time last year, I don't think I'd have the same top five. So the whole point of this question is currently how you feel right now in this moment. And so um, I'm going to go last here because I actually want to, I want to hear your list first. And we're also, as we go through this, we're going to share the, we got a bunch of responses on Twitter when we put the question out there. And so we appreciate all the responses we got on this. And so we're going to share a lot of responses as well. And so um, I'm just going to share a few Lindsay, of course, who's the David Riddick fan. She came out and said, my number one is the Edmonton Oilers due to the Mm. fact they are the Flames rivals. So I grew up hating them. It was in my blood from the beginning. Vancouver Vancouver Canucks, again, as a Flames fan, the hate is in you from the start. And 
And Tampa Bay 2004 is all I can say, still bitter about it. And that's actually a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, that was the Flames. Yeah. That Was that Flames, Tampa Bay Lightning in that Stanley Cup in 2004? It might have been, yeah. That I was, before, so. that was a little that? before my – I wasn't watching hockey religiously yeah. in 2004. But uh, <laughs> right. thanks for that response. Let's go to Colin here. Give us your top five, man. Start with number yeah. five and build your way up to your, Ooh. your top five. I might have to do reverse order. I think it's easier for the All reverse right. order. That's well, fair. well, okay. Actually, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. We're good. We're good. All I think right. I'm going to start number five with the Jets, just because of the Ooh, last time they really okay. had, last time we really had a solid chance, and they just they outbodied us. They and they're yep. tough, they're a tough they team. Um, they got like they're like the I wouldn't say they're at like the Canadian level of like spite, um, the Montreal Canadiens, I should say. But in terms of Canadian teams, I think they're like they, the next one as far as like they won't go. Base. They're one of those teams that won't go away either. You keep waiting for yes. them to have to. Waiting for the Winnipeg Jets to have to go through their own rebuild, but they still kind of stick around every year as a yeah. playoff team and a team that won't go away. So I, I yeah, they were they're the bane of the central for a solid you know five years or so. So and they just kind of played spoiler for those five years. They never got past anything, but they were that they were there. I mean, it was it's annoying and it's been annoying. So I'm hoping they can kind of now that we're we're back to where we were before. I'm hoping they can kind of go away, but. Uh, the next one, uh, and I wish that we could find a way to keep the rivalry going after last year. Carolina Hurricanes, and they oh, are—they're yeah. one of those teams that kind of—I'd I, say they're very similar in terms of the fan base. Like the Facebook version of the Carolina Hurricanes is worse than the Twitter <laughs> version of Hurricanes. Um, they've got some reporters that I really respect. Uh, so, uh, yeah, some great work. Sarah Siv, Sarah Siv. Yeah, the, the a, few, a few people out there, and, and the fans. Some of the fans are very, are very respectful. I'll give them that. But there are some fans of theirs that I just cannot stand. They are so damn annoying. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, yeah, that's how I feel about that. So, uh, yeah. Um, Can I ask you, Colin, is one of the reasons couple. why the Carolina is on your list is because of their uh, their love for banner jokes when the banner it's joke is media. so tired. It's so tired oh. and dead. And they just and they, they just hung one for Central Conference. Yeah, Central Conference champions. Like, like, champions. I, I, I'm like, I don't even think, I, I think, I think the Hurricanes coming on our list is more or less not about the team and about what's going on on the it's ice. A stupid it's about, banner it's Get about over their banner jokes. I mean, okay, let's, let's all be honest. Every one of our banners was hung in well, – Detroit had the same version of that banner multiple times. So get off yeah, our, so get off our, get our business. Come but, up, just come up with a new joke is all I ask. Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm, all, I'm all about laughing at myself here. If you tell me a joke that's funny – it's it's at I mean, my expense. I will laugh at it. But we got, come we, we up got with plenty of material. material. Come up with some new plenty, material. We got plenty of material. Our, our coach yeah. is a, a, a great value, Mr. Clean. Like, come on. Yeah, there's, like, there's plenty, there's plenty, there's plenty of things you can do. But right. uh, third team, definitely the Dallas Stars. I know they don't have Corey Perry anymore, but they still have Alexander Radulov, and they're still a tough team for <laughs> us to beat. And so, sorry, suck it, Stars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's see. The next team that's going to be my second place team. Uh, I'm going to go. This one's pretty easy. St. Louis Blues. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Your barbecue ain't real. Texas has, Texas has better barbecue. They're going to be on a lot of lists. There I said They're going to be on a lot yeah. of lists. They, they got rid of some of the jerks, but they still have a, a lot of jerks that are still there. So, yeah, they're there. And then number one, number one in our, in our, in our on my list, but number like 99 in my heart is the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, you know, and even even reading Pekka's retirement message, there's no love lost between that team ever historically. And I don't Black think Hawks. I don't think Blackhawks fans will ever live it down that we swept them. Oh no, the way never. we did, never. I mean, until they do it to I us, mean, which knock on knock on wood. But. Oh yeah, uh, but I mean, like their whole their whole slogan for that playoff run was one goal. I mean, <laughs> how, 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 how perfect is that? <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's it's still the Blackhawks. It will be the Blackhawks, especially after these roster moves. Enjoy that Seth Jones contract. Good luck. We'll see you soon. All right, Rich, go ahead with yours. Let's see how, right. how similar it so, is. So number five and number four, these are guilt by association teams. <laughs> so um, at number five, I'm going to say the Ottawa Senators. What? Oh. I, I don't like. I did not Brady expect that. It's because I don't like Brady to Chuck. Okay. Dang, so that's, that's, that's you're real personal. Yes, I did not. I did yeah. not expect Ottawa Senators to pop in. I know. This list. You, I you, I know you know that gift. You know that gift of the office where it's a uh, it's uh, Ryan and he's scratching off the name on his list. Yep. And yep. Uh, that's that's, yep. that's what I feel like right now. Like Rich is just going on his list, just scratching people Senators. off. Well, number no, no, no offense to any Ottawa Senators fans that may be listening. Right. So number four is but one of the most irrelevant Ottawa Senators. Is one of the most number relevant. Going to be another one, and our our new friend Lindsay's not gonna like this. It's oh because I Shots don't like fired. Matthew. I don't like Matthew Tuchuk. I'm sorry, <laughs> Lindsay. We do not speak for him. Oh, hey man, man. you're asking my list. I'm telling you my All list. Right, and I, I appreciate the honesty. I appreciate the honesty. I just did I not expect. You, I, think... I did. I did not expect Ottawa Senators and the Calgary it's, Flames to come you, into this. I told you it's guilt. I love it. I, I, I love the I was, surprise here. I, I was going to ask if this is like just a Canadian vendetta, but it's, it's just the Chuck family, apparently. No, no, gotta... Chuck. I don't, I don't <laughs> like either one of them. I'm sorry. All right. Fair enough. Whatever. Hey. Sorry. Right. So cool number three, this. number three is St. Louis. There we right. go. Do there not, we go. Agree. Um, <laughs> man, just watching those guys, I, I and uh, it might be another guilt by association. I don't like Jordan Bennington at all. No, um, God, no. Just, what a joke. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know just, if St. Louis Blues fans like. Jordan Bennington. They deal right, with yeah, him. Like, they yeah, deal with him because he's their goaltender. But yeah, his whole like, I'm gonna beat everybody up. I'm like, kung fu fighting. Yeah. If you <laughs> hook up a lie detector test to most Blues fans and you said, "Do you like Jordan Bennington?" They're gonna fail that lie detector test. <laughs> they will. They'll be like, "Yeah, I like him. He's my favorite yeah. goaltender." Oh, that thing's gonna be. That thing's gonna be spiking. That thing's gonna be yeah. like shooting up. All right, it's I not like even a thing where you, it's not even a thing where you love when he's on your team, but hate when he's against you. Like no, everybody hates yeah, him. Like they just they yeah. just they just hide a little bit better than the rest of us. They do. They just yes. like yeah, and they got to right. take up for him, and that's what's the bad part. So, so all right, I'm, so number two, I'm, I'm glad we don't have any players like that on this team. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, number right, two, go uh, ahead. T- Tampa Bay is number two. I um, your list is throwing yeah. me off, man, because I totally well, thought Tampa Bay was going to be number one on your list. Well, that. So, you know, the, the St. Louis hate moved to Tampa Bay because they got Pat Maroon and he's another one. I just, just, I'm sorry. I just don't, I can't understand it. Um, you know, he's got all those cups, good for him, whatever. So, yeah, so they're number, number two. And then my number one is actually uh, Tampa Bay again. Um, <laughs> Tampa Bay times two. <laughs> Can we change the name of the episode to Rich's Grudges? Like, can, yeah. can I just yeah. give the name of the episode? So, um, <laughs> I, I opened up a wound here. Like, you did. And, and you know what? The, the good news is, like, I secretly like Yanni Gord a lot during. That's he, he's, he's a good player. And I'm really glad that he actually is going to Seattle because that means I can, like, stand watching him now. But I just could not even stand watching. That's kind of how I feel about Blake Coleman now that Blake Coleman's. No longer on the lightning. Like, exactly. like they had a lot of players that are fun to watch, but it's like Good you draw. play for a team, but you're, yeah. but you have a team, but you're, but you're a team that's like, it's one, two in a row. So I'm already over it, you know, but yeah. But. Yeah. So like when, when St. Louis won the cup, I watched, I watched him accept the cup and the whole festivities. 
And then I, I'm pretty sure I watched it last year, but this year, as soon as they won, game was over. TV's turn it off. off. I couldn't turn even it stand off, to yeah. watch it. Couldn't, couldn't even watch even it. Stand to watch it. So I respect it. There it is. Man. All right, here. Sorry. I'm going to share a couple other responses here. So we've got uh, Peter on on uh, Twitter here. Went Blues star went Blues number one, Stars number two, Penguins number three, Hurricanes okay. number four, and Golden Knights number five coming in here. Wow, I know no, the Golden no Blackhawks eight. I think the Golden Knights are going to be on some people's list here, but that's kind of an yeah. interesting list there. Uh, he shares uh, Blues and Stars for obvious reasons, Penguins because they crush my hopes and dreams. Canes because of the toxicity within the fan base, social media team. Knights, Knights because of their disloyalty with their players. I think that's referring to Ooh. Mark Andre Fleury. That is a so good. The, one. That's a good. That one. is a good response there. Uh, John yeah, Lee, who, uh, John John Lee is very active in the um, <clears throat> Preds community on social media. Uh, he went one Blackhawks arrogance of the fans, two Blues, Bortuzzo enough said, uh, three Hurricanes. Yeah. Three Hurricanes used to be my favorite Eastern Conference team. Social media ruined that. Four Vegas, too good, too fast, got big heads. Five, mm, yeah. any team with Corey Perry. So who's who's Corey Perry on right now? Who did he go to? Was it King? Uh, uh, Tampa Bay. Oh no, 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 no. no, 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 no. Um, Corey Perry, where did he end up? Do we have to look this up? Like, Are you yeah, yeah, look at look at It's escaping me. It's escaping. He's with Tampa Bay. It was Tampa, Bay. Tampa Bay. Oh no! It was. Wait, well, there you go, there Rich. Now you're justified. Now you're justified. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was, a, there was a joke about him going to the team that they lose to every year. Oh yeah, it makes sense now. Well, okay, yeah. let's move. Let's move Winnipeg down. Tampa Bay. Congratulations, you're on my list. And so, uh, fellow fellow podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, sarcastic remarks. Who covers the Dallas Stars? They responded and said, "Not a press fan, but I'm guessing the Stars might be on y'all's list." Uh, he was on your list, right? The stars were on your list, Colin. Yeah, they're on my list, but they, sure. but they weren't on your Plus, list, Rich. I mean, I, I don't know. They're on my list. I, 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 I mean, when they're playing the Preds, I don't like them. Obviously, um, Jamie yeah, Ben's a little Beaton. annoying, but I don't know. so well, we're 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 gonna get to some more responses here. But let me share mine real quick. So I'm gonna go reverse order as well, and I'm 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 starting this list off with the Hurricanes. And I would have never put them in my top five going into this season. And it has nothing to do with them knocking us out of the playoffs. It really doesn't. No. Like, I actually think they're a fun team. I don't mind their roster. Um, they got a I lot of fun players. Team on ice. They, they, they got a lot of fun players to watch. Uh, there's two reasons why I have them on the list. One is what we've already mentioned. The whole social media just threw me off. It was not classy at all the way they were uh, – uh, doing things, and then their fans were also extremely, extremely annoying to deal with on social media. I'm sure they say the same about us, but either way, that, that's a big part of it. And then two, the whole whining from RBA, their coach, uh, Rod Brennamar. Oh, yeah. mm. That rubbed me such the wrong way. And I remember the next, the following game, I swear he got every call. It was like he played chess with the officials. and squeaky, uh, it's just squeaky like, wheel. And he's a tough guy. Like he's a great, he was a great player. He's an excellent head coach. Obviously, not taking anything away from the guy, but the whining and and complaining about, oh, they're not calling things the way they should, and we're getting screwed over. And like it just got really annoying. It's like, come on, dude. Like, and so he got his way. The calls went their way the next game, and so there you have it. Mm-hmm. So that's why the that's why the Hurricanes uh, cracked my list, and they they would have never even came close to my top five before that. Yeah. 
So he was just mad. He was just mad. He thought that they were going to roll the Preds and it didn't happen. Yeah. So I've been a fan. I've been a fan since '98. I've been. I. I when they first moved here, their inaugural season, I didn't know a lot about hockey. I guess you could call myself a casual fan. I was also only ten years old, so I'm not. But I, I still knew of them and cheered for them. But uh, I've definitely been cheering for the team since like the early 2000s, like actively, like going to games, following them, cheering for players, that kind of thing. And so I still have a lot of historical uh, uh, hatred for teams that uh, they might not be relevant now, but I still I can't get it out of my head. And that's why the that's why the Anaheim Ducks come in at number four on my list. And it's, I mean, there's, there's such a bad team and there's, I mean, they're, they're, they've gone through a lot of hard times and I still cannot stand them. I, I don't care how bad they are and how good we are. I still want to beat them every single time and I want to beat them badly. (laughs) So uh, the Ducks come in at number four for me. I'll never forget when we knocked them out of the playoffs to go to the Stanley cup. That was like one of the most, that was one of the most uh, satisfying, faction I've ever had from a, for a sports team probably ever like when it comes to just that moment of knocking out that team in that moment <laughs> to go to the Stanley so, Cup okay. when yeah. you watch so when you watch the Mighty Ducks movie you don't get a good feeling in your heart or anything I mean that's they're, a they're great they're from Minnesota that's, that's, that's yeah that's, that's, that's different. different. That's division division nine Minnesota to Mighty Ducks, not the Anaheim Ducks. And I'm really glad the Preds didn't go out and get Ryan Getzlov because that was being rumored there for a little bit. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known how to handle that. That would have been you wouldn't fun have been at beside all. yourself. You would have been so. Fun. I'm glad that didn't happen. All right, number three. This team's on all three of our list, and it's the St. Louis Blues. Geographically speaking, it's one of the biggest rivalries we have. That fan base, I actually used to not have a problem. I actually used to not have a problem with the St. Louis Blues until they won the Stanley Cup. And then that fan base got so cocky. They got so full of themselves. And uh, now all of a sudden they think that the uh, Preds fans are just like futile. We're like all a bunch of idiots. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you do realize you're St. Louis Blues fans and it took you so long to win a Stanley Cup. And now you're not even that good. At, like you didn't even follow up your Stanley Cup with a respectable season. Like you got swept. Like, I don't even remember you being in the playoffs last year, even though you actually were. You were there. You're on the, you're on the Wikipedia. The St. Louis Blues did indeed make the playoffs last year, but I don't remember them. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Like, I really don't. So, yeah, Blues and fans. Bertuzzo. And Robert Bertuzzo, uh, pretty much. Victor Arvidsson still has never been the same. And you still see that clip shared every now and then. And it, I, I, I honestly can't watch it. It makes me well, so enraged that I can't watch it. You know who else was in on when he hit Victor Arvidsson? Bennington hit him as well. I'm sure he did. Yeah, Sounds he did while right. he was down. Yeah, yeah he hit so, him too. So that's so right yeah that, that team I, I I hope they go 080 082 and 0. Like no shootout losses. Just go 0 and 82. <laughs> All right. Number two, but I can't put them in my top two. I wanted to. I actually my my I, I wanted to interchange these teams. I thought about it but I still put the Penguins at number two, and that's because I'm petty, and I'll never forget <laughs> them. Because I guarantee you if the Preds played the Senators that year, we'd have a cup. But uh, yeah. the, Penguin, the Penguins somehow won in overtime in the Eastern Conference Finals to knock out the Senators. And I almost – I don't want to say I don't have confidence in this team, but when that happened, I almost felt like we already lost. Because I just – that team was so stacked, that Penguins team. They were just yeah. loaded. And the fact the Preds 
nearly pushed that to a game seven. And the way the Penguins scored that goal in Bridgestone Arena was the most fluky goal I've ever seen in my life. Like bounced off the backboard behind the net. And Rene was having a great game. He was shutting out the Penguins. And it was just like a weird, fluky goal. Of course, you got the Sissons uh, uh, goal wiped away, which clearly was a goal. There's just so much that's tied into that uh, Stanley Cup. One of my good friends, one of my best friends, he's from Pittsburgh, diehard Penguins fan. Um, he he was so cocky in the way they won. He was like, he's like, I knew they were going to win all the time. This was such a domination. I'm like, dude, this almost went what? to game seven. Yeah. I'm like, you are so biased. You were so full of yourself. So that's why the Penguins are number two. And number one, I guess you probably already know, this will probably never change, at least not now, and it's the Chicago Blackhawks. And it's just because <laughs> – I, I didn't, none of us put the Red Wings in our top five, which is kind of it's kind of uh, it's kind of like picking on someone that's already got like their leg cut off, you know? Like, yeah, uh, I mean they're already uh, if it, if they're relevant, sure I'll hate them again, but like I can't really and that well that I feel bad. The, the reason why I got to put the Blackhawks in there is because they their only argument with Preds fans is what a lot of fans do with us is you have zero cups, we have this many cups. And it's like, I get it, but you're also, what, the original – you're in the original six. You've been around yeah. for how many freaking decades? Like over a century, it feels like. And it's like you're going to come out a team – and you're going to come out a team for not having Cups who's been here since 98, had to go through the traditional expansion rules. Uh, you look at those early Preds rosters, it was like blue-collar guys. And so I don't want to hear it. We're going to get that yeah. Cup soon. And when we do, that they really will not have a leg to stand on when it comes to arguing with Preds fans once we get that Cup. But we got to get there. But yeah, they're gonna—they're my number one. It, it's not even close. They're my number one. They're very safe in that top spot for me. That's Amen. I know, right. uh, one, I know one of our staff writers for Pred Lines, Eli, mentioned. Uh, he said Chicago Blackhawks five times. So yeah, I'm right <laughs> there. there. Yeah, I'm right there with Eli. I mean, let's share a couple more responses before we wrap up the stream here and we get to our uh, conversation with the Tell It As It Is <laughs> podcast and uh, talk to them because that you want to stay tuned for that. A conversation we had catching up on the Colorado Avalanche, who didn't come on any of our list, so that's good. Uh, let's let's share a couple other responses here. Matt Hardesty put Vegas number Vegas number one for a Preds fan. That's that's kind of surprising. Pittsburgh number two, Dallas number three, Chicago number four, and number five is not a team. It's just Brad Marchand, uh, Sidney Crosby, and Corey Perry. Fair. That's his number that's five. Fair. That's fair. Uh, we got some more Marshawn coming in here. Tommy Lindholm put Marshawn number one, Boston number two, Boston number three, Boston number four, Penguins number five. Man, a, a, lot, a lot of hatred for Boston in that Whatever. Man. Everybody uh, would see. want Brad Marshawn on their team, and they know it. Yeah, we got Eli Farmer, who is uh, Chunky Diddles now, I guess, on Twitter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's a story um, behind that. <laughs> all right. Uh, back Nine Bourbon. Uh, back Nine Bourbon uh, went Ducks because of the Ducks, Stars because of Jamie Benn, Blues because they're dirty, Vegas because of the draft advantage, and any team Corey Perry is playing for. So a lot of – it's pretty <laughs> much just Corey. We got one that we didn't see here. and that we got a, So this one's kind of surprising. Uh, Shesh. On Twitter, put Caps number one because of Tom Wilson and oh. overkill trash talk. And went Blues. Went Blues because of Portuzo and, ben- and Bennington. Went Blackhawks. Disgusting behavior, I guess. Okay. Um, Toronto, Ma- Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going we're gonna to beat on the Toronto Maple Leafs. That team is already struggling enough as it is. They'll, they'll uh, beat themselves. I don't know if they're ever going to recover. 
But uh, the Leafs, I keep having to hear about how it's, quote, unquote, their year every year as a Canadian, and they're soft, <laughs> and they're soft. Okay. Well, the Leafs are like the, the Leafs are like the Tennessee Vols of, of the NHL. Yes. It's like it's all, it always wow. feels like 98, always. And then, and then he puts the Golden Knights um, for being cocky, mocking injuries, although I like Martinez. So, so many good responses. Very, very I'm fun topic. I'm this not the is only getting, one that holds a player grudge. So this segment no, right here, <laughs> I, after listening to this segment and after doing this segment, I need hockey to be here right now. That's all. <laughs> that's this just got me totally ready for some hockey season, Absolutely. and we still have we will we still have about two months before we open up against the Kraken. So um, we got preseason. So yeah, that was a fun. Nice. There is preseason. We do. Yep. We do, so and we have training camp. Yep. Yep. Exciting. All right. All right. So we appreciate watching the stream. And of course, let's hope you need to go out there and, and download the full episode tomorrow so you can listen to our conversation that's coming up with the Tell It As It Is podcast. Get you caught up on some Colorado Avalanche hockey. They got caught up with us as well on Preds hockey. Uh, fun collaboration with them on the Hockey Podcast Network. So go download the podcast tomorrow, the episode. It will be dropped on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, all your podcast platforms. So we appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening to everybody. This is Chad Mitten with Rich Allen and Colin Bloom. We're signing off. We'll see you next week. Go Preds. Enjoy this offseason. It's about to ramp up. Can't wait to see you next week for episode 63. Stay tuned. All right, I am joined by the wonderful hosts at the Catfish on Ice podcast. Gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Please introduce yourselves. All right, so this is uh, Chad Mitten. So I'm one of the main hosts of Catfish on Ice podcast. And uh, we got uh, Rich Allen, Colin Bluen. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? How are y'all doing? How's it going, guys? This is, uh, this is Colin Bluen. Yeah. We gotta make sure we all of our listeners know the voices here. Uh, yes. Real quick, I, I gotta mention, Colin has uh, missed a couple episodes. We're happy to have him back for this segment with the Tell It As It Is podcast. And so, uh, Colin, are you doing pretty good, man? You getting settled in down there in your new uh, your new home? We're getting there, man. Getting getting settled in. Uh, I've got a crazy travel schedule, but we're hanging in there. So we're happy to have you back, man. Yep. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you guys on the show and everything. And it, it's it's been a long time since the Avalanche and Predators have even really been mentioned in the same conversation. Obviously, last year we were in two completely different divisions, and probably for the first time in probably both of our existences for a long time, we hadn't played each other all season long. So, what was last season like for you guys? I mean, obviously we were all disconnected and uh, well, never at any point did we intertwine but the the predators seem to be in the news cycle quite a bit probably a lot more than most people are used to so what was that roller coaster of a season like probably a lot more than we wanted if i'm being honest <laughs> right. i mean it, that roller coaster is a very good way to describe it in terms of just the emotional turmoil that we had as far as like starting okay and then kind of spiraling and thinking all right this is done it's, we might be sellers at this point and then all of a sudden going like we, there's a chance so then, like it's a it's a gif of so you're saying there's a chance that was just the constant yep. feeling um up until we got in and then it was like well now what <laughs> um yeah, but it, at, it was a whirlwind yeah at that one point there was like a one percent chance of them getting into the playoffs 
and they wound up making it. So it was it was, we, that uh, was good. We, we took advantage of beating up on the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 boosted our point point percentage on uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, and I guess you could say the Red Wings too a little bit, even though they beat us a couple times. Yeah. yeah, I can. I can imagine. So, I mean, from from what I remember, there was a certain point, like you guys are just saying, there was a one percent chance they were yeah. going to play. It was bad. I was, yeah, I was talking about on my show a couple times, like, could we add a Mateus Ekholm at the deadline? Yes, he was, he he was, was a, all over the yeah, headlines. He was a pipe dream for for Avs fans. I even mentioned Philip Forsberg at certain points. Like, I was I was fully ready he, for Nashville to to rip it down at the deadline. So the rumors were out there about Philip Forsberg. Actually, like he would he had Preds fans. Real th- this whole rumor was it got that bad to where mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg was showing up, and I can't remember what main credible uh outlet put that out there but phil forsberg was i I know he was linked to the maple leafs that were interested in him i remember that yeah Yeah. i wish i remember the source but yeah it was bad man it was like tear it all down and this was during the season and then uh just kind of like catch up some of your uh uh, listeners uh for the avalanche uh basically the crossroads of our season was when our a lot of our young and unproven players came into the lineup and we were already expecting rebuild anyway. So we were like, let's see these young kids play. Let's see what they can do. Uh, your Tanner Janos, your Matthew Olivier's, your, uh, your uh, Yakov Trenin, like these kids came in, came in and just put a new energy and, and, and passion into the game. And then, of course, I know as fans know all about UC Soros. He came in and started playing Vesna Trophy like hockey, and that's what and probably put us into a, a playoff berth. Yeah, UC Soros definitely took over the the conversation for the Preds towards the end of the season. Were you guys surprised he didn't get a Vesna nomination, and that Grubauer did get the nod over him? I think that's the closest the Avalanche and Predators. Oh, no, you want to feel that? You want to feel that, Rich? You want to take well, that? Well, yeah. Uh, I think if if he hadn't have been hurt and if they hadn't have played so bad in the first half of the season, if he didn't get the Vesna, he it would have been a travesty because the way he was playing, I mean, he was clearly one of the best, if not the best, goaltenders during that stretch for them. So, like like uh, Chad said, if it wouldn't have been for Soros, they they wouldn't have made it in the playoffs at all. So, yeah, he was definitely our star. So. Yeah, I went back and forth between Saros and Grubauer as that final guy on my Vesna ballot for last year. Obviously, I had to lean a little bit towards my yeah. guy and Grubauer, but I was honestly a little surprised to see that Saros didn't get as much love with the the Vesna trophy because he was definitely the Predators MVP in well, my eyes. And you only get three. You only get to pick three. So, right. I mean, you're always going to have bias there, especially when – I mean, there was a lot of great goaltending last season. I mean, so it was a tough were, list. I, I remember tough looking list. at the list of candidates and thinking, well, I can make an, an argument for this guy. I can make an argument for this guy. We knew that Flurry and Vasilevsky were the top two. We knew they were in. But that third spot, that final third spot, there was a lot of bias in there based on fan bases. And so um, the thing about Soros, and Rich just alluded to it, is he's got to put together a full season. And I think that's a big reason why we're in this uh, testy arbitration uh, cycle mm-hmm. that 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 uh, that lingers on. Is hearing dates coming up very soon? We keep waiting on uh, a conclusion to that before it reaches a a actual hearing. But 
I think a big sticking point with, with the front office side of things is Soros has never done it from wire to wire during a season. He's always been the backup to Pecorine and was a great backup. One of the best you can hope for, but now he it's his, it's his team and, at, at goaltender. And I don't know if the front office sees it the same way as maybe a lot of us fans see it is where yeah, I'm at. He also, he's also notorious for slow starts at the beginning of the season so he has yet to have like one full good season. So he, if he doesn't this year, you know, it's going to be bad news. Definitely. Yeah. But I think that's what he's, that's what he's banking on. And, and, you know, in the, in the front office, like Chad said, they're not, they're not so sure because of not having that full, full good complete. So, so Griffin, uh, just, just for our listeners, let's kind of ask you the same thing. Like, uh, so you cover uh, the Colorado Avalanche for the Tell It As It Is podcast, so please go follow them, Preds fans. Uh, I, I, all I remember is pain the last time I, uh, the Preds right. had to play you guys. And the one game that really sticks out to me, and I'm sure you remember this game, was early on in 2019-20 in that game where I'm pretty sure the final score was like 8-4, to four, something like that was the final score. I remember there were goals going back and forth. I remember Matt Duchesne scored a really big goal, if memory serves correctly, uh, to put the Preds ahead. I think it was like early second period. And then the Avalanche, it was like a barrage. Like your your loaded roster of offensive firepower just like ran us out of the building. And so kind of tell us about the Avs. How are you feeling about them? Because I know they have way higher preseason expectations than um, our Predators do right now. Yeah, with the Avalanche and our offseason – we're not going to be the same level of dominance as we were last season. By the way, I just remembered the game you were talking about now. It was a, a nine to four game. Oh, for right. Predators. I, I shorted you a goal. Yeah. Let's have a little harder, please. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and a, it was an avalanche. It was, it was literally an avalanche. <laughs> it was bad. Avalanche. And yeah, Sorry. that game that, was. That, that game is forever etched in my brain. And I'm not even joking. Like every time I think yeah. of the avalanche, I think of that game. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was a. You were right. Duchesne put Predators up three to two, and then it was just it was it was out of reach from there. That's I remember that game. Yeah. Now, but just on the topic of the Avalanche and their offseason, obviously last year the Avalanche Presidents Trophy Cup favorites the entire way through fell short against Vegas, and going into this offseason, we all expected to lose some guys. That's exactly what happened. A lot of departures some new blood coming in, but we're going to pretty much be relying on a lot of in-house talent to replace some of the names that we lost along the way. Obviously the departure that I think is going to be the hardest to fill is Brandon Saad. He went to St. Louis Mm -hmm. and we're potentially looking at having Alex Newhook playing in that top six next season. Our defense with the addition of Ryan Murray, even though we lost uh, a Ryan Graves and a Connor Timmons, I think is still probably going to end up being one of the best defenses in the league again. And when it comes to replacing Philip Grubauer with Darcy Kemper, it really depends on Darcy Kemper's health. And this is something I've talked about a lot on my show is that the trade, yes, we gave up a lot in assets, but if Kemper stays healthy, which is a big if, there is certainly potential for him to be at worst equal to Grubauer and in best case scenario, better than him. So when it comes to our offense, 
Obviously, our top line is intact. We kept Landeskog. We've got Nathan McKinnon. We've got Miko Rantanen. Then you've got your second line guy in Kadri and Burakovsky. Yeah. And then that just this season, there's going to be a bit of a hole on the the other wing on the second line. But our depth still looks quite good with Nachushkin, Jostin, Kompfer, ideally on the third line. I think that's one of the better third lines in the league. And fourth line, I like the helm addition. And we've just we've got a good depth of players that I think that can plug in there. So I still think the avalanche are legitimate Stanley cup favorites for certain, even though they did technically get a bit worse this off season. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the salary cap and it's staying flat and you're going from given Kale McCarr under a million to $9 million, you're going to have to lose some guys along the way. I mean, do you agree with that contract? I mean, that's a big contract, but I mean, I think we're all in agreement that he earned that. Oh, absolutely. It's it's already a steal, and he hasn't even played a game with it yet. He signs that deal, and then Seth Jones signs his deal. Darnell Nurse signs his deal. Well, Rensky yep. signs his the deal, market, and he is yeah, paid less than yep. all of them. And I know oh, UFA years and everything, but Makar is, by the time season after next season begins, he's going to be, I believe, the the eighth highest paid defenseman in the NHL. And there's, there's a real shot that he'll have an, a Norris under his belt Mm-hmm. after next season and then who knows how many by the time that contract expires i mean well, I, I mean i gotta say i think that it's a great contract especially like when you you said you mentioned really kind of a kind of a good context piece of seth jones i mean i i we we like seth jones we don't, we don't love him i mean he, he came here first and then you know, he went to columbus and the ryan johansson deal and all that but i feel like chicago overpaid because we we ate his lunch last year and we were not the yeah. best i mean we we're a fourth place team but we, he was not a challenge to us when he was on the ice and we were nothing, we weren't anything too special. We'd had some good talent, but we weren't, you know, some of the better elite teams and the central is only going to get better now that it's back to the traditional central. So mm-hmm. that's my thoughts on that. I think you guys did. I think that's an awesome deal, but I got to ask you, you know, do you believe after this season, because you mentioned it, the president's trophy, do you believe in the president's trophy curse? I do not No. Uh, okay. I mean, okay. I mean, <laughs> My listeners know this already, but I am also a Caps fan as well as an Avalanche fan. So I am well experienced with the President's Trophy and second round exits in the same breath. But at the same time, it must be nice because we've got one. Yeah. Well, we know that was also a second round. 2017 18, we lost in the second round as well with the President's Trophy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I remember your run for those guys there. We were a bit mixed in in there too. But that was was our first time making the playoffs. I knew. Hey, real quick time out before you go on your answer since we're doing this. I remember, and I will, I have, I'll go back and look at screenshots here. I remember when we beat the Avalanche in six games that season and and saying, you know what, the Avalanche are coming and we are going backward because talent-wise, we had no business struggling in that series on paper. Yeah. Like, we had just come off going to the Stanley Cup, coming two wins short against a such a stacked Penguins team. So everyone thought, you know what, the Preds are back again. Like, they're not going anywhere. They just won a President's Trophy. They're a force. And we had to do everything we could to get out of that first round against an unproven Avalanche team that first round of those playoffs. I remember it. I remember thinking, wow, this team's coming. This Avalanche team is. So, yeah. uh, yeah. That window closes fast. I mean, it does. Sure does. Yeah, I mean, even just on the same that same playoff year, you look at both Nashville and Winnipeg from the next round. People thought their windows were going to be open for years. And mm-hmm. now you fast forward to 
today. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy how things change, but on that, that playoff series, there was no shame in any avalanche fan after that series, especially, especially winning game five in the fashion that they did. We were very proud of this team, even though game six went quite badly next season, we play Calgary first round, smoke them in five and four straight games after losing game one. And it's quickly, it's funny how quickly things change on that front too, because now apparently there's a stigma that the avalanche can't get out of the second round, which I I don't agree with that at all, but but yeah, going back to the Collins point about the president's trophy. If there is any person that should believe it, it should be me. But I just don't at the same time. I think when you look at the parody in the NHL, a lot of the time the best team in the NHL doesn't win every single year. And when you look at president's trophies over the ever since the turn of the century, you've had a fair number of president's trophy winners actually go on to win. And I, I think we're in a drought right now. It's been, what, 2013, the Blackhawks won Stanley Cup after winning yeah. the President's Trophy. And since then, only the Rangers have gone to the conference final after that. And that was 2015, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering right. Uh, your your so, history is way better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, because, well, I mean, you look at the teams after that, Caps, Caps, I know that one. Then the Predators right after that. Then you had Tampa flame out historically in the first round. Oh, yeah. And Boston. The apology, the apology tweet. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that one. And then Boston, I think the bubble year, and then the Avalanche. So, yeah. and so I think you look at that and yeah, there's a drought going on, but it's, it's going to break eventually. And we're going to look back at this stretch with President's Trophy winners and be like, yeah, that's an outlier. I mean, they're not going to win every single year. I mean, statistically, it's what, like you look at, there's 16 teams in the playoffs, you give them each an equal chance. Yeah. I mean, you probably shouldn't, but that's why the Stanley Cup playoffs are like. I know we're probably all biased here as hockey fans, but that's why the Stanley Cup playoffs are, are in my opinion, the best playoffs you can watch. And it, mm-hmm. uh, and I like all sports. I'm a big football fan. I, I'm in baseball mode a little bit right now. Like I really do love all sports. Like I get, I can get into anything. Give me a ball and give me a, a scoreboard. I I don't care what sport it is. I'll get into it. But hockey playoffs are so exciting, and a big reason why is because you really don't know what exactly. upsets are going to happen. Uh, the, the the intensity and the passion behind it and just everything that goes into it, you're right. The best team doesn't always win, especially the best team on paper, does not always win. It's what team is going to be able to grind it out, push it through. I mean, it's the hardest trophy in sports to win. I really feel that team sport to win. I really feel that way. Yeah, you gotta get through seven games. You gotta get through seven game series, four different rounds to hoist that Stanley Cup, a President's Trophy. You could be the best team in the regular season. It doesn't matter. Can you make it through that playoff grind? And a lot just because you're the best team on paper doesn't mean you're gonna make it through that. The Canadians. That's a prime example. This yeah, past year, perfect Canadians. Example. So. Yeah. Perfect example. And they're they're a team that might not even make the playoffs next year, and they probably yeah. wouldn't have made it in a normal year. And you look, you even look at who the Avalanche lost to, which is Vegas. They mm. lost to Montreal in the next round. You look at the the division winners, like you take the Presidents Trophy even out of the equation. The Penguins lost in the first round. Toronto lost in the first round. Only Carolina and Colorado made it out of the first round as division winners, and they both lost in the next round. Yep. You had. Eight wow. games of context mm-hmm. to look at. You only had those teams playing e- only other teams in the same division. You could not get more evidence 
that these are the top teams in the divisions than you could from all those four, and none of them made it to the final four. There's parity in the league. It's it's better than any other sport. You never, ever know what's going to happen. I think that's kind of where Predators fans are right now. That's kind of where they're. I think they're thinking, okay, let's break up this core that hasn't that's, – that's consistently failed when it matters. When the chips mm-hmm. are on the table, they have failed since that Stanley Cup berth. And so – now that's why fans are like, let's put new blood into this lineup. Let's let's see what happens. We'll take our lumps. We'll take our growing pains. If we miss the playoffs this season, then it's okay as long as we're building a new foundation and we're we're, we're building something. And I've said this. I said this in a previous episode, very much like what the Avalanche have done. I don't know if you agree with me on that, Griffin, but I think you all have done a really good job of meticulously from the front office, building this roster up, taking care of the players who who need to be on this roster, signing smart deals, smart contracts for the most part. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's a big reason for why you all are a Stanley Cup contender for the past couple seasons and definitely this coming season as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joe Sackick, when early in his tenure, took a beating as being a bad general manager. And as we saw the Matt Duchesne trade completely changed the face of this franchise. Uh, Obviously you guys were involved with that. And you look at the hall. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You look at the hall that we got back in return. Obviously we got Sam Gerard. Uh, Yes. Incredible. That rubs that. You want to talk about hitting a sore spot. You just, all my listeners that are listening to this right now, they're going to be uh, – they're, they're hurting. I hope they're not driving down the uh, interstate <laughs> right now because they're going to have to put those hazard lights on and pull over to the side of the road for a little bit after just yeah. bringing up that. We, yeah. we still have some Kyle Turris buyer's remorse and, and a little bit of Duchesne too, but especially the Kyle Turris buyer's remorse yeah. is real. Yeah. yeah, and so maybe you guys can tell the certain portion of the Avalanche fan base that does not appreciate Sam Gerrard that they should – Oh, absolutely gosh, appreciate nice. him because he had he had a bad series against Vegas and now it has turned into Sam Gerrard's too small he can't be in the NHL you know maybe yeah. you maybe you guys can talk some sense to them well, I, sure can tell you that, uh, I can tell you and I uh, I want uh, Colin and Rich will go into this as well but I just want to say real quick um at the time when we brought Matt Duchesne in here it was probably one of the biggest offseason signings the Preds had ever made as far as blockbuster, like they went out and I think Colin, I think you've said this before. David Poyle, our general manager, went out and got his white whale. Is that what you said, yeah. Uh, Colin? Yeah, he was I mean, for yeah. a long time. And so they went out and got him. And uh, we, we're not saying that the book's written on Matt Duchesne, first of all. I know that Colorado Avalanche fans have very strong opinions about Duchesne and his passion for the game and his kind of like how he disappears a lot. And we're seeing that too. But analytically speaking, Duchesne has actually been a pretty solid player for us. Now, we want to see that turn into point production, which is natural and that's understandable. And a lot of your casual hockey fans, they're not looking into analytics. They ain't got time for that. They got full-time jobs. They just want to see the production. They want to see goals. They want to see the big goals like Matt Duchesne scored to beat the the, uh, Hurricanes in this past playoffs in in the uh, extra overtime. That's what casual – Predators fans want to see, but for really strong hockey followers uh, like, like ourselves who follow it closely, um, Matthew Shane's been a pretty solid player. Now, has he lived up to his contract? Absolutely not. But I keep saying 
Don't direct that at Matt Duchesne. Direct that at the front office. He's They're the ones that made the deal. Matt Duchesne is still playing well, but yes, we wish it, – it, it hurts to lose a player like Sam Gerrard, and we, we've seen him do great things for the Avalanche. And so I don't understand why fans out there – you all got a good young player that I think is going to keep getting better. Right, yeah, and, and I he's think on a, he's on a crazy good contract, $5 million until the end of time. It's yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, you can't, you can't be the money for the talent. And honestly, like, I think he's kind of just, he's very much the essence of smash as far as, as of late. Cause you look at guys like we've had Victor Arvidsson, we've had Rocco Grimaldi. Um, we've had some undersized guys with a chip on their shoulder that come out and they just play strong. And that's how Sam Gerard was. So if you talk to any of the people that live up in Milwaukee, that that's our AHL team, our AHL affiliate, they love Sam Gerard. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's kind of tough because what we got, you know, Kyle Turris, not even on the team and we're still paying him out for the next three years, which is super frustrating. And then eventually it clears way and we get Matt Duchesne and Duchesne's been statistically consistent, which is appreciated because you know what you're going to get, but it's also what you're getting is not that $8 million value, but now Sam Gerard, I think is, is a solid player. I think that, you know, Colorado's has been building up something and he's one of those pieces that is what you guys are building towards. And for us, you know, I think kind of going back to what we were saying about our expectations, it's like, on Twitter, we're very much, you know, let's you know, let's see the young guys, let's give them a chance, let's see how this team kind of improves and, and, and give these some of these younger guys, you know, the opportunity to be, uh, you know, future franchise players potentially. Do you go to Facebook? It's it's Cup or it's Fire G, uh, David Poyle. Like that's there's there's no in between on Facebook. That's all it is. So uh, a lot of emotions right now in this off season because we just don't know. I mean, it's supposed to look like a youth movement, but we thought that we were going to have that last year. So who knows? Yeah. Well, also with the with the youth movement and what, you know, people on Twitter, everybody's like, we want to see the young guys. We want to see the young guys. And then when Poyle makes moves like getting rid of Victor Arvidsson or getting rid of Ryan Ellis, everybody's like, Hey, I want to see my young guys, but I don't want you to get rid of my favorite players. And like yeah, everybody just gets way. mad. So like David Poyle is in a weird position of like, obviously he can't do anything right or wrong. So it just depends on who you talk to. So we're, we're not only saddled with, you know, Matt Duchesne, like the guy said, he is statistically still a good player, but we're also hampered with uh, Ryan Johansson, who's also an $8 million contract player. And we're on like year two, this will be the third year where everybody's like, these guys got to produce this year. This is going to be their year. And so far we've been let down. So hopefully, hopefully this season will be better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and what's 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 your guys' confidence level in David Poy and to an extension John Hines? Because that's at from what I've gathered from Fred's Twitter, that seems to be a pretty contentious yeah. debate. So uh, yeah. we actually got, let, let well, it started off, but we actually uh, this previous yeah we all have thoughts apparently. We all we, all three of us literally tried to start talking at the same time. We'll go around the room here because yeah. you just struck a nerve there, Griffin. <laughs> it, <laughs> Clearly. It's, it, uh, it was our, it was our main segment and that led off our last episode. So uh, uh, definitely uh, we welcome everyone, including ass fans to go listen to that. But um, I think it's, it's a very, for the most part, I think the majority wants John Hines gone, but they don't have a solution. They're just like, Oh yeah, this guy's horrible too. Like they, they, they say like, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get rid of this player. We got to get rid of this GM, but they don't really offer solutions. But I will say that John Hines deserves this year to be his his measuring stick here. And we've talked about it a lot. I know Colin has been very 
uh, adamant about how he doesn't believe in Hines, but also give the guy a chance. Rich is the same way. Colin, go ahead, and then uh, Rich will yeah. go too. So I, I think he he deserves a full season, uh, especially with a full offseason because it was an abbreviated offseason last year, two-week training camp, and then they just go right into it against basically you know a tough division, but also – just the, the back-to-back nature of the games or anything like that. So I think he deserves a full season to see how it goes and, and to see if he can make those improvements. I do think – I don't necessarily think – I don't necessarily fault Hines. I think it's the person that hired him. It's David Poyle. Um, I think that Hines was hired very hastily when, you know, you had some some great coaches pretty much become available a week later. Actually, was it uh, the Vegas coach? I forget who it was. Um, so which one? Pete no, no, it was the Vegas uh, Golden Knights head coach who oh, became uh, available. Um, yeah. Bernard, not Bernard. Uh, I forget Gallant. who it is. Gerard Gallant. Gallant, yes, Gallant, Gallant became became available a week after we signed Hines to you know this this contract, and this is Hines' contract year. year, so he's kind of an yeah. approved year. So, yeah, yeah, um, year. yeah I, I think that it's gonna it's gonna depend on how he does this year when he has a full season when he can. I think his system, if you can call it that, has started to take shape, but it's also not very defined. And I think that's, we've seen that in New Jersey and now we're seeing it in Nashville. Um, he likes to mess around with the lines a lot. He's kind of a tinker. Uh, and that can be kind of frustrating just because, you know, you want to see some consistency, but he found something in the fourth line. I'll give him that. Um, David Poyle, I, I don't think that he's a bad GM. I think that he's done an amazing you know, work for the franchise being here since 98 and, and doing what he's done to get the team to the success. They're the had. only team's GM though. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. And, and it is and, no fault of his own. I think fans are ready for a fresh new beginning. And I think a lot of fans think it starts there. If you yeah, really I mean, want to rebuild this franchise, a lot of fans feel like it starts in the front office and then yeah, you start from there. You gotta, you gotta know when to get out. I think that's the thing is he, he's close to retirement. He's not, he's not a, a young guy by any means. His son's, you know, the, the one of the VPs or one of the assistant, not because one of the assistant GMs, people are nervous that the, the, his son's going to be pretty much the GM and waiting um, and they don't want more of the same if it's just going to if it's just going to result in you know first or second round exits because for a while we did that we had to get over that hump just to get to the Western Conference Final um, we've only been to one and granted we won it which is fantastic but that's the expectation now where you know we're, we consider ourselves a hockey town um, and we're just not sure if management's going to be able to get us there unless we trade it you know we move up. Um, move around some of our management opportunities, but there's also some really good GM candidates that could be out there potentially. Um, especially when you look at the pipeline of some of the, the front office talent and some of these contenders in the last eight years, um, there, there are people out there and there's people that could really take the, take the helm and take this team to that next generation, next generation of, you know, success. But, you know, Dave Poyle is old school and he's got a lot of equity in the league. I mean, he is one of those guys that, when you talk about guys that one of the front office people that are getting, you know, the NHL out of lockouts and things like that. Like he's been in those cornerstone conversations. He worked, I don't think Poyle, he, uh, Poyle worked through the years when the team was going to move to yeah, Hamilton I, to move to Hamilton. When and, I don't think people and, realize and how the Preds, like the fan, like the Preds home games were literally only getting like 12,000 people and they had to reach a certain quota to even keep the team. And I think it was like 14,000. And they crushed it. The city rallied around the Preds. The team slowly started getting better. But, yeah, like, he he's navigated this franchise through a lot. And I think people have short memories. People well, have very people, short memories on what this GM has taken this franchise to where they are now. Well, from the business side of it, I think people don't even realize how much pull he has in the NHL. Because, like I said, he was part of those conversations that got them through the lockouts. But he was yeah. one of those people that doesn't budge. 
he's got a lot of clout. A lot of people respect him. I think that, you know, if he wants to do consulting after this, he will have somewhere to go, uh, whether it's with staying with Nashville as a consultant or going to uh, DC, but he has a lot of respect from the league, which I can appreciate, but also it's, it's, it's kind of like, I look at it like a, similar, like if you're an NBA fan, Greg Popovich, Greg Popovich, fantastic coach. I personally, I, I respect the hell of him. Do I like him? I'm a Suns fan. I can't. <laughs> but Greg Popovich, great coach, but the game has has moved past his coaching style and his style of play. And that's kind of where David Poyle is. Is he's kind of he's he's a I wouldn't say a relic, but he's a you know he's a reminder of a past league, um, an older style of hockey versus what we're trying to build and what the game's looking like nowadays in your modern AHL. Yeah, that's kind of the view I've had on Poyle for the last little while. Great general manager, lot of success, been around for a long time, but just at a certain point, maybe enough is enough. And you've 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 fired all your bullets and you've made all the moves that you can make. And maybe it's just time for for someone else to get some fresh eyes on the team and just see where where they can take them. Because like you said, he's been around since the Predators have been the Predators ever since the beginning. And just at a certain point, like the league just passes you by. And with this last off season, with some of the moves that they've made, I, even if they're to go in a certain direction, I think, I think the Ryan Ellis trade for me was a, was a weird one to look at. Just, I didn't, I didn't love the return for them. I don't know how you guys feel about that, uh, but. So I will say the Ryan Ellis trade was a little bit weird. I'm actually pretty excited about Cody glass and, you know, he was kind of the back end piece of that. But I will, I will say, I think that from a, a contract standpoint, Ryan Ellis's contract is good now. Down the road, it is not going to be a good contract. He's going to be playing into his upper 30s for way too much money. He's already shown signs of decline. He's struggled to stay healthy. Um, and so it, it's, it's tough because, you know, for a lot of people, they thought he could be, you know, a top 10 NHL defenseman. And, and maybe he still can. But he, it's not gonna. He's not getting younger, and that contract is not getting any more friendly. Flyers, hey, the the Flyers are gonna have to get something out of him quick, as Colin yes. is saying. Like, yes. I mean, they are banking that he is gonna come into this next season and two to be, three years be the That's be all. the defenseman that. Yeah, a lot of people were like, "This is a under the radar Norris Trophy winner in the coming years," and injuries really did mess up his trajectory. But he does still have the talent. He's a great professional. He's classy. He can be a leader in the locker room. The Flyers got a really good player. But as Colin said, he's aging. Uh, Cody Glass, uh, is I uh, also echo, echo that sentiment from Colin. Uh, Cody Glass is a player where the ceiling is very, very high. And we're getting him in return. And we're kind of rolling the dice on, on Cody Glass that he can – I think he was the sixth overall pick in 2017. Yes. So, um, yeah, the talent's clearly there. And now you're waiting to see if he can actually figure it out in a new place. Yeah. And Cody Glass, I think, is an, an interesting player. I think Vegas ended up being a bit disappointed with him. But looking at this this Nashville team over the last few years, and especially getting to now, uh, like we were saying, it's definitely not the team that it used to be. So where do you guys see the Predators really ending up this year? Do you think they can compete for a playoff spot this year, or do you think they're going to be down with the, I, the Coyotes at the bottom? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I actually think that realistically speaking, right now, we're waiting on the Soros to go ahead and get that contract, which we expect. And 
I think for the Preds to make the playoffs, it's going to take a actual full season of UC Soros playing the way he did down the stretch. Mm -hmm. I think it starts with that. Um, I'm really encouraged about the power play. I think it's going to get show a little bit more improvement. Um, I like that. But realistically speaking, this team is not a playoff team right now. Um, they're probably going to fall in the uh, – I don't think they're going to be dead last, but I, I do think they're going to be out of the playoff picture within a couple weeks. Of um, All right. Sorry about some of the connectivity issues with Zoom. Obviously, it's uh, not always the best program, as we mm -hmm. found out from time to time. But getting back to our conversation, uh, Chad, how do you see the Predators' season next year going? What is your guys' expectations? Do you think they can compete – for a playoff spot, be a, around that top four, or do you think they're going to be closer to uh, the Coyotes at the yeah. bottom? That's a really good question, Griffin. I think that they're right now, realistically speaking, they are not a playoff team. They are very much an unproven team, inexperienced team. They're going to go through growing pains. I would not be surprised if they stumble out of the gate and dig themselves a little bit of a hole. But I do think they're going to be an exciting team. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be just completely buried in the standings to the point where no one wants to watch them. And obviously just like at the end of the last stretch of this past season, UC Soros is going to have to put a wire to wire strong season together, which he's never done. He's still very young. So that's not a knock on him, but he's going to have to do that for this team to be a playoff team. He's going to have to do that. And then we also got David Riddick as our backup goaltender since Pecorino retired. And he's going to have to be a really quality spot starter. And so um, that's, I kind of see it at goaltending. And then also the power play. I think the power play is going to, if it seems going to be a playoff team, if that's the question I'm answering, then the power play cannot be a bottom power play like they've been for the past couple of seasons. They cannot do it. This team is going to struggle to score goals. And so, they're going to have to take advantage on the power play and get some get, I don't want to say easy goals, but they're going to have to take advantage in that area because they're going to be running into some teams that are loaded with firepower that they don't have. And so they can't get into these games where they're only going to put up one or two goals because they're not going to make it very far. They're going to get ran out of the building a couple nights. And so that's kind of where I see them. Maybe going into the last two weeks of the season, maybe they still got to, a chance and then they probably get eliminated pretty quickly. I don't see them making the playoffs where I see them right now. What about you, Rich? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. It just depends. The big factor is Soros, how quickly he can um, pick up where he left off at the end of last season. And if Hines can get these guys motivated to build on what they did in the second half of the season, that would be good. The bad part is they lost three big players. Uh, we already talked about, we mentioned Arvidsson and Ellis, but they lost like one of my favorite players and probably one of the most versatile guys on the team in uh, Cali Yarncroft. Yep. And somebody's going to have to step up to fill that void because that guy's like the Swiss Army knife for the Predators. Like he could play, do many different things. And I don't know who's going to step up and do that. Um, out of all three of those guys losing him, that was the one that, that hurt me the most. And they might surprise us. I think it, it all is, the, the, like I said, on Soros and then just building off that huge momentum that Hines got them going. He got the team rolling and um, he's going to have to do it again, except he's going to have to do it even better this time because he's going to be missing some uh, some key players. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that it's one of those situations where we, I mean, we've, we're going to get younger and it's going to be interesting to see. I think that we're going to probably take our licks because these guys have to experience winning and losing in the NHL. Uh, that's just the reality of the game. And it's a young team. Um, you know, it's like we're, we've quickly become one of the younger teams. We've only got two guys over 30 at this, well, actually three guys over 30 at this point, which is very young, all things considered in terms of their, the rest of AHL. And so um, that that's going to be a tough thing for us is that they're going to have to mature pretty quickly. Luckily, some young guys for better or worse, they got a lot of experience last year. And so I think mm-hmm. that kind of helps them out. Um, I, I still see us as a, I don't see us as a playoff team, but I see us as a fringe. I would, I would be pleasantly surprised if we got into that fourth spot or if we got into, you know, a spot where we were wild kind of, card, I think it's yeah, going back to the wild card. card. It, it is. Yeah, every, everything's wild, going back to normal. Yeah. So if we get into, if we got into the wild card, I, I would be pleasantly surprised, but not completely shocked is I guess the best way to put it. Um, but if we miss the playoffs, I won't be surprised at all. It's just, it's, it's a young team's nature of it. I don't think we'll be nearly as bad as the coyotes. I have no idea what they're doing. I'm from Arizona. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they were, knows they're, about the coyotes they're they're my second team if i have one and and it's always a rebuild every other year so i feel like i, I mean I, at this point i'm i'm shocked they're still in glendale arizona to be honest um but i will say they fill their their stadium their arena quicker than the ducks do but no. um <laughs> i know i'm throwing a little shade there but i i don't think we're gonna be that bad i think we're gonna be better than the blackhawks i think the blackhawks have been buyers in a lot of weird situations i hope that you know flower has a good year uh that's an interesting acquisition for them um i think that if they do succeed it'll probably be on his back but i don't know how much he has left in the tank because he's just you know we, right. we saw how quick that that drop off was for pecorino pecorino was a vesna trophy winner until he like he wasn't and and he was solid for us last year in spot duty, but he is not a, an every night kind of starter. I wonder when flower gets to that point as well. Yeah. Um, and they still have Malcolm Subban, I believe. And, and he's not a bad, you know, spot. And like it. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So they've got some, they've got some options, but I, I don't, I, I just think that I think we can steal some from the Blackhawks. I think we can, can get ahead of them. Um, Dallas stars. I'm a little bit afraid of, I mean, like we can go down the whole division, but I do think we're better than at least a couple teams in the central and we can, we can show up and, and still yeah, be they're competitive. Not a, they're not, yeah. They're not a dead last team. No, we'll, no, we'll no. go that uh, far. That we'll is, that, that far. is Arizona's spot. Yeah. That, that That's about where our confidence ends is that we're not oh. dead last. <laughs> oh, but those draft picks, man, they're going to be, so just... can we, uh, so Griffin, <laughs> get, we're going to ask you the same question. I know your expectations are worlds apart higher than ours. <laughs> but um, where are you at, realistically speaking? Um, wh- where are you at with this team? Are you? Is it? Is it? I, I expect it to be Stanley Cup or bust again this season for you. But where wh- where do you see it? It's Stanley Cup or bust again. When you have a team this good, when you have McKinnon on the contract that he's at every single year of that deal, which is two more years, including this next season, is Stanley Cup or bust. You have to win while he's still on that six point three million dollar deal. And when it comes to my realistic expectations, I fully expect we will win the Central Division. I think we are the best team in this division. I don't think it's certainly that close. The West, it's Colorado and Vegas again, just like Mm -hmm. it was in the West Division last year. Honestly, I'm not all that impressed by a ton of teams in the West. How do you feel about Seattle, though? I got to ask you. Seattle? I (laughs) The Pacific Division is really bad. I think they have a chance to crack that top three. They and do. I look at their roster. It's 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 sneaky, it, likable, it, it's right? Getting like, a little better. They so, hey, add yeah. names every once in a while. Griffin, Griffin. Uh, we shared on our. We're doing a podcast meetup this season. 
Uh, we want to like, uh, we're inviting a lot of our listeners. We would love to meet a lot of our listeners. We kind of had a little idea with it. We did a poll on our, on our Twitter feed and I picked the avalanche home game for Thursday, December 16th as one of the options. And it didn't get a lot of votes, I'll be honest, but still I wanted to get kind of a gate. I kind of wanted to gauge where some of the people thought. And I picked that game in the, and you know, you only get four options on a Twitter poll. And so I picked that game because I, this was way before you even invited us to do a segment with you. But I remember seeing that home game and thinking, it's going to be really fun to play the Avs again, to see McKinnon, mm-hmm. to see Rantanen, to see Lannis Gog, to see this roster that is just loaded with star power. And so um, I picked that game for that reason. And so, yeah, the Preds and the and the uh, Avalanche, I almost said Blackhawks, the Preds and the Avalanche play on December 16th. That's their first meeting of this upcoming season. Actually, that's uh, their second meeting of the season. We actually – Is it second? That's, our, that's the first in Nashville. Oh, but the, uh, okay. the first sorry, meeting is – uh, November 27th in Colorado. Oh, okay. And then the second one, first in Nashville, December 16th. That's okay. actually for us, the second half of a back-to-back. We'll play Dallas on the 26th and then oh. Nashville on the 27th. Then in the middle of December, we'll hit the road for Nashville in the middle of a like, of a four or five home stretch. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking, I would like I'm looking to be, forward to it. I would like to be at one of those home games against the Avs because, I mean, the Avs are like, just, just a really fun team to watch, loaded with star power. So, I mean, that's why I picked one of those options is was against the Avs for our podcast meetup. So we're we're still planning on that, um, and we'll see. Like I think I'm thinking like we picked the Seattle Kraken, the home opener is one of them, but I don't think we're gonna be able to get everything set up in time for that. So the Avs, who knows? We might make our podcast meetup that Avs game. So. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly not much of a better. I mean, that'll be the first time the Avalanche are back in Nashville since the yeah the, that three two matchup. That was the last time the those two ended up playing, mm-hmm. if my memory serves me right on that. But yeah, I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited to just see the the Predators. I'm excited again. to see new yeah. teams. And Rich, you yeah. said this too, right, man? Yeah, you said in the previous man. episodes that you are happy to have the old Central Division back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when when they when they announced that they were going to do you know the the way they did it last season, I was like, oh, this will be neat. You know, you get to see these guys after a while. It was like, this it was baseball horrible. style. Well, it was baseball oh style. I was like, yeah, these little two game series, baseball yeah. style. It was it was fun for a season, but I am ready to get back to the normal. Actually, know, like seeing I, Eastern I, Conference I, teams again. I got tired of it about three fourths of the way through. I was just like, this is just. Well, I got, I got tired of it when we went through that stretch where every freaking game was either against the Tampa Bay lightning or the Florida Panthers. Oh yeah. Like I was like, okay, I'm over this. Like, like, can we please get some Columbus blue jackets games on our schedule? Yeah. I I feel the exact same way. Especially with the avalanche, it was bad for us last year with that schedule because we we only had Minnesota and St. Louis as like central teams with us. All right. And when it, coming into the season, we had, I think, I'd say like a third of our schedule was between interesting teams, St. Louis, Minnesota, Vegas. Those were the fun games. Then you had L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and Arizona. That was that was more than half of the schedule. And yeah. like you were saying, Rich, about three fourths of the way into the season, I was over it. Mm-hmm. There, it got to a certain point where I was like, okay, we have two games against Vegas left, and that's it. We've got yeah. we had like six games against the Sharks to end the season. Like there was there was a point where I was struggling to 
literally stay awake during the games. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. never want to see an, a, the Avalanche play the Coyotes ever again. I don't yeah. ever want to see them play again. I'm so tired of the Coyotes. Yeah. Well, they're and, part of the Central now, so I know, yeah. and I hate it. But at least it's four times and not eight. Yeah. And I, yeah. I was just I was going to say it was either so them or Vegas. I was starting to feel the same way about the Red Wings, honestly, because the Red Wings is is bad as they were. They gave us fits this past yeah. season. And so yeah. I, I was feeling, I was kind of feeling the same way about the Red Wings. I'm like, I don't want to see the Red Wings anymore because, you know, like we should beat them, but but they're gonna still give us hell. Like, I so think, yeah, it was. Do we, we only actually lost them once, right? So I think it was, we call it the, the gentleman. Did we only lose them once? I thought we might have lost twice. Wrong. I don't it know. Might have been either twice. way, I remember them not get. I remember us not having struggling with them. No, possibly. it was close. It was close to a general a gentleman's sweep is what we like to call it. But you know, it's one of those things where yeah, it's either it was either Arizona or Vegas that we're gonna get in the central. So we're getting Arizona, I guess, which geographically the NHL is already weird no, enough. It's as already it yeah, I mean just the fact I that Nashville's even in the east is yeah. in the west is weird. So yeah, it's yeah. all very weird. I mean it, they were actually yeah, talking about that. There were a lot of people saying, like, okay, this Carolina Preds rivalry can really grow into something geographically speaking. Let's get the Preds in the East. And that was just a lot of chatter on social media. But if there was a way to realign it, I don't know how you yeah. would do that. I, I've never really done research on it. But, I mean, if there was a way to make it make sense, Nashville should probably be in the East. But it's yeah, okay. I mean, I guess I've never really thought about it that way. But just run it over in my head. Like, if you move, if they move to the Atlantic, like the Florida teams are close by. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina's right there as well. We, I mean, we are maybe, the easternmost Western Conference team. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's the best way to put it. But, and that would make—I mean, I mean, someone would have to move from yeah. the Atlantic. Maybe I mean Detroit was in the West for a long time, but either way, well, we kind of either way, way like you're going to have an eastern eastern-based team have to move to the West. So there's really yeah. no way to probably fix it. I mean, yeah. maybe maybe ex- maybe within like 20 years with expansion or anything, if the NHL yeah, adds that's two more they teams to do it. and they replace another team in the central, I think, I think that would be the road back for Nashville to the East, but yeah. Yeah. yeah it's or, okay. Or I like move. being in the West though. Cause there, we still have all these natural rivalries that we've built over the years in the West. I mean, I still consider, I still consider uh, San Jose to be a, a minor rival for us just because I've been, I've been with this team since 98 and the, the, Sharks were the one team that we could not – you want to talk about the hump we couldn't get over, it was the San Jose Sharks. Like, uh, they were our first-round kryptonite. They were the team we could never get past. And so I still consider the Sharks a uh, – uh, uh, they're not as big of a rival now, but they were. for And for a lot well, of my uh, fellow Preds fans who've been following the team for a long time, they know what I'm talking about. The Sharks well, were a team like the, that we just like have Ravens. a bitter hatred for. Well, it's kind of like the Red Wings and the, and the, the Blackhawks team. I mean, the Red Wings, we had so many Detroit transplants because in Nashville, yep. we had the Saturn plant. So Detroit moved a lot of its employees down to Nashville. And then the, two years later, the Predators came on board. So you had a lot yep. of people either convert to be Preds fans or there's still a lot of Red Wings fans in the area. Um, actually, one of the people on the for uh, on the forecheck, one of our main uh, websites through the National Predators, I remember going to high school with one of the guys who was a Red Wings fan because he was a Detroit and then became a Predators okay. fan afterwards. But, um, you know, the Blackhawks have not been as nearly as you know as prominent as, as of late or as of you know 2013 14 that those kind of years and so um that rivalry has kind of died down a little bit you know the red wings that rivalry's died down so uh i will say you mentioned a team that i think we're better than and i think it's also one of our rivals too is st louis that's one team i think we can do better than this upcoming year i i think that even with where the moves we've made versus the moves they've made i like our team better 
Um, Minnesota's going to be interesting because it's like, are they going to get Kapro Kapsov back? Or is like, is he going to Russia? We don't know. So, oh, yeah. yeah, it's going to yeah, be, it's going to be a weird, weird we could, year. We could spend another hour talking about that. Oh, <laughs> oh man. man. I've, yeah. I've, drama with that. Yeah. I've touched <laughs> on that on my show a little bit. Like that, like that is one of the more interesting things I've seen in a while. You always hear like the rush, this Russian player, oh, he's threatening to go back to the KHL. I mean, it's but very fragile. It, you have to wonder. <laughs> yeah. if We've been there. Oh yeah. You have he, to wonder I, if he's bluffing. We we've but, been I mean, there. We've been there. This is and it's so funny because Minnesota we always say is like Preds North, and so it's so funny that, that they're getting their own Radulov situation basically. Because well, Kevin Fiala, we they're talking about they're talking about paying Kevin Fiala now. Like I mean, they've got a lot of front office issues right now when it comes to yeah. like they're they're dealing with a lot of drama right now. But they're one of those teams that's right there on the cusp of being a force to be reckoned with, but they've got to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. With. I mean, they're, they're like you're saying, they're right there. If they get they lost Ryan Suter, back, a former Pred, they lost Ryan Suter to the Dallas stars, which I mean, wow. they, they did that voluntarily. They, they yeah. just, they bought that contract out yeah. and apparently are willing to eat the cap. And Zach Parisi. Yeah. And Zach Parisi. So, I mean, so with like, Minnesota, very busy. They've had yeah. plenty of drama this off season. Yeah. I mean, I talked about this with the, the, the wild guys over at uh, the soda pod. Yes. That, They've gone from a team that I could literally care less about to probably the most interesting team yes, this offseason. Yeah, I talked really to them are. a couple months ago. And, you know, like we were saying, they're they're right there with it. If they get Kaprizov back and they get Fiala back, I could see them being the second best team in this division. But the thing is, is that they've got to win like now because next year they've got $14 million in dead cap that's going to be interfering with their roster with Parisi and Suter buyouts. So I'm interested to see what they do this season and coming into this season. And if, if Kaprizov does really leave, I mean, he's already signed a deal with Siska Moscow for a year at over $10 million as a, a I mean, that situation so crazy. He's turned down. I believe I saw from Michael Russo long-term like eight to $9 million extensions. Like he's, he's got some cojones to be he turning does. those down yeah. as he's betting on himself big time. Well, I respect yeah. that. I mean, I respect it. Nashville had – it wasn't obviously to the extent of that that much money, but Yakov Trenin pulled the same thing for, for Nashville. He was going to go play for Moscow as well. Like it was it – was, they were making it sound like it was a done deal and then like the next The KHL day, has definitely become a player in uh, – in, in, I think more so now mm-hmm. than ever. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I, I, I think you have to, to, to respect – I think general managers have to respect – the KHL because that it's a very good league. It's a very different league, but a very re- well respected league. And I mean, you can't just say like these players aren't willing to go over there. And so, for front office general managers, you have to take that into account now when you're making these tough negotiations. And so, uh, it makes for drafting. more. Inter- it makes for more entertainment for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's I think Kaprizov if he does pull this off and get that short-term deal and the betting on himself works. I think that's a, a fun precedent to set for the rest of the league and other yes. younger players. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. that's something well, that obviously teams won't like, but us as fans, mm-hmm. especially just the general NHL fans, that'll make for some very interesting negotiations down the line for players to bet on themselves, maybe carry themselves to, to the UFA market. I mean, we saw it with Austin Matthews, his deal is carrying him straight to unrestricted free agency and Kale McCarr's deal is, as great as it is, is only buying one UFA year. So maybe this will start to be a thing down the line where we start to see more higher end players hitting the, the open market down the line, which is will make for, for some excellent viewing. Yeah. 
agree. Yep. All right. So, uh, what else we got, Griffin? I think that pretty much. Up. I think that pretty much just about covers it for us. I mean, we'll see each other for the first time in late November. How do you yeah. guys feel that the Predators match up with the Avalanche? Do oh, you God. Think that, <laughs> do you think you guys <laughs> can give us trouble uh, if Charles plays well? Goaltending's our only chance. Can UC Soros stand on his head and give us a 40 to 45 save uh, performance? Then maybe we can steal a game from you. If we get that, uh, what is it, Forsberg, Johansson, uh, Duchesne top line, who knows? But Yeah, but you can't go off one top yeah, line against the ass. I know. But uh, yeah, ask, me, it's, it's, ask me at the end of October. I'll yeah, on, on, on paper, we would be the biggest homers in the world if we yeah. said that we were going to realistically beat you all in any other fashion other than UC Soros, who is capable of doing this. Um stealing a game or two which he can do but that that's really the only way i see it looking on paper uh looking at these two teams side by side i do yeah. think that the preds are going to be a very uh fiery team that's going to pull some upsets off i'm not trying to take anything away from our young players like tanner Janot, like uh like matthew olivier I'm not. Ta- I'm not taking anything away. Alex Carrier is our new rising defenseman who is getting uh, top line minutes with Roman Yossi. So uh, for all your ass listeners, if you haven't looked up Alex Carrier, go look him up. He's he he is. I am fully confident that he is the next really good Preds defenseman, homegrown Preds defenseman, which we've been really good at doing. So uh, w- we're gonna steal some games. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shock some people. We're gonna be right there in the middle. Uh, again, like I said, I don't think they're a playoff team right now, but the only way we're really realistically going to go toe to toe with the Avs and actually beat them more than maybe once is UC Soros is going to have to be, um, just a, a thief in the night and mm-hmm. steal games from you all. That's really the only way I see it realistically. Yeah. It's Even definitely going to be, <laughs> uh, interesting to follow with the Predators. I mean, I look at the central. I think I agree that I don't have them in the playoffs, but I don't look at them like a bad team. I still yeah. think they're it, going into a game against the Predators. I'm not going to look at that and be like, oh, two points, easy. It's still mm-hmm. going to be a game that you're going to have to take seriously. There are still players there that deserve a lot of respect, like Roman Yossi. UC Soros is definitely going to be the biggest wild card when it comes to playing the Predators every single season. I mean, when we look at the Avalanche last year and even when they were at the the height of their power in the the middle of the season. They still got goalied from time to time. Right before they went on their ridiculous 18-game point streak, they got the the goalieing of a lifetime at the hands of their now goalie, Darcy Kemper, mm-hmm. who put forth a crazy effort. The Coyotes mustered 12 shots and won the game 3-2. to two. Kemper yeah. got hurt in that game, and Auntie oh, yeah. Ranta I'm kinda, did I'm the same worried. thing the rest of the way. I'm kind of worried that the Preds are going to have to win games like that, ugly games where maybe they don't have a lot of shot total, like, but maybe the other team outshot them vastly, but UC Soros somehow. And that's why we're so, that's why I am so upset about why this uh, arbitration keeps lingering with Soros. Cause I think that the front office is playing, playing a little too hard here when it comes to, they know what they have. They know that they're going to win games. And let, unless, unless the Preds front office has just completely sold the farm and, come to the realization this team's not going to be a good team, they're going to be a lottery team, then I think you need to understand, I think we all see the writing on the wall, that if the Preds, to your question earlier, 
is if they're going to make the playoffs, then UC Soros is going to be a main reason why, just like last season. So pay the man, get him his money. He, we know he's got the skill set to steal games for you that you don't have a business winning. And so I, this team's going to have to win games that way, just like the, the game you just mentioned against the Coyotes where the team only has 14 shots on goal, but they still win the game somehow. I, that's how I think the Preds are going to have to make their hay. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's going to be Preds a... hockey. No, let's go Preds. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing like getting pumped up for the season. Like, yeah, you know, we're still the, pumped up. Maybe though. the we're goalies will up. steal a game or two. I mean, when you get to this point of the offseason, I was talking about this last episode. Like, I'm, I'm just rewatching like the the 2019 playoff runs and everything. Like, just it's gotten to that point where it's like, yeah, you know what? I was sick of the regular season last year, but. Mm-hmm. Still would take it over. I would. I would all. watch the Preds every game. I'm not making this up. If they went 0 and 82, yeah, because I, I love hockey that much. Now, obviously, I hope that doesn't happen. But like, I mean, there, there's a lot of casual fans out here, and we are a hockey market, and we have outstanding fans. And the diehard Nashville Predators fans, I'll put them up against any hockey fan base out there. But they're just like in any fan base, there are a lot of casual fans who um, are still kind of on the fence on whether they even want to be a hockey fan. And, and so they, they, I don't know if they have the patience that it takes to watch a hockey rebuild. And so that's kind of what I am focused. That's kind of what I'm watching. And I'm putting, I've put, I've put, I put this out there. I'm putting them on notice. Hey, are you a real Preds fan? We're going to have to watch the, you're going to have to watch the process. Like you're going to have to watch this, maybe go through a little bit of a one or two year, time period where you're going to have to watch this team be meticulously rebuilt again. It's not going to always be pretty. You're going to see some young kids make a lot of mistakes, but the end result is what you got to hope for. And so um, that's kind of the kind of season we're about to go into. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, and at the same time you got to factor in like, you know, hopefully we're going to have more fans back in the stands. Um, I know I've got a quarter season ticket package. So I'll be in some of the games and like, Bridgestone is still one of the hardest arenas to play in. I mean, it people, is. it's known around the league. And, and so that fan energy needs to be there um, from the, for the Preds general management. Like you got, they got to lower ticket prices because until yeah. we get back to a cup, they can't keep charging what they're charging nope. for the tickets. But, right you know, already. it's one of those things where that, that's a hard arena to play in. And it's a hungry fan base. I mean, people that show up night, night in, night out, even the this... casual fans that do show up, they're hungry. So yeah, Colin's from Nashville. I'm from Nashville. And I can tell you that this market is so hungry for a uh, professional championship uh, because, I mean, everyone's Tennessee Vols fans, but that's Knoxville and that's college sports. When we Man. talk professional sports, um, the, the, this, this market, as big as it's growing to be and as great of a sports market as Nashville is overall, it really is a great sports market. This city has never had a professional championship parade in any sport. So, yeah, that I think that has a lot to do with how sometimes Preds fans come off a little bit unbearable, <laughs> I might say. I'm sure as fans can go ahead and attest to that if they've ever been to a game at Bridgestone. But a lot of that has to come with that, that just hunger to finally break through and get a championship parade. And I know that uh, for the longest time, everyone said the Preds are way closer to winning a professional championship than the Titans are. I feel like that's flipped over the last couple seasons. But, um, but yeah, so uh, that's that's where a lot of this passion comes from the fans. 
amazing fans out here. They are so passionate, especially the ones that have been following this team since 1998, which there are tons of them. And so for those fans, I think they have the long game in mind right now. I think they realize what this team's doing. But for the casual fans that maybe don't understand the process, they're pretty frustrated right now. And I don't know what their interest level is in this team, but we'll see. So that's kind of that's kind of like the state of the fan base. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and and, and sometimes that's just the process that you got to go through. You take your runs at the cup. Nashville went to the final. They won a president's trophy and just – now they got to take some, their lumps. <laughs> yeah, so, and now you got to take your lumps. You took your runs at the cup, and now you've got to – in a salary cap world, a salary cap sport, it's just what happens eventually. Time comes for us all. And one, when one day, hopefully not anytime soon, it's going to be the avalanche as well. It's going to happen to literally every team in the league. Mm-hmm. So, but, but still for this season with the Preds, when it just from an avalanche perspective, we're playing them four times. I think you got to take all four of those games seriously. I don't think there's going to be any – easy two points in any That's of them. very kind of you. I mean, yes. well, <laughs> there's still Forsberg, Yossi, Soros, and maybe, who knows, maybe Forsberg can be an Av by the end of the year if things go too wrong in Nashville. Sure, I'll take no, that. No, 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 but, no, no. Start that. I mean, we've, we've had our successes with Forsbergs in the past. We'd take good care of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. <laughs> I will say, and it's not just because you have been a very hospitable host and brought, brought us on your podcast, but um, I will say that I have – Zero ill will towards the Avalanche. They are not a team that even comes oh, yeah. close to my radar of teams I despise. And so, um, yeah, it's all it's all good. It, until we actually play each other, I have no ill will towards the Avalanche. Uh, it'd be cool yeah. to see you all hoist a cup, honestly. Um, I'm sick of the Lightning. I know Rich is. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I'm sick. I, I respect <clears throat> the Lightning and how great of a roster they have, but I'm sick of them. Uh, I don't want to – See Vegas win it. I can tell you that right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Chicago can just like, yeah, they can burn in hell. Oh, uh, the team, Ooh. the team. I know, <laughs> not not the city. You know what I'm saying here. But, but in all reality, in all reality, in all reality, yeah, those are kind of my teams that I can't take. The Avalanche, you're not even on my radar. No, it's like all that. it's all love until we yeah. play you all. There's really no ill will towards the Avalanche at all. For yeah, me, anyway, I I feel the same about the Predators. Honestly, I'd say I'd say I generally like the Predators. I I honestly probably have them. No, now you got me blushing over well, here. Well, I mean, like <laughs> I, look, I I look at teams that I like. Honestly, I've never had anything negative to say about Nashville. That 2017 run of the Cup is probably one of my favorites. That like, well, you're one, one of, of very few because yeah. most of most most opposing fan bases hate us. I know mm-hmm. we didn't make any new friends in the Carolina Hurricanes fan base no. this past season. No. I mean, yeah, I mean, even they haven't just played the Predators in the playoffs. But even then, I couldn't be like, oh, man, I, I hate these guys. Yeah, it's, like, it's different. I, I like it was a clean series. like that. I think yeah, fans so, so like us, that are good for the quick, game. Man, like, give us your – overall for Avs fans, because this has kind of always been a fun topic for me whenever I'm talking to other fan bases – um, I, my roommate, my best friend, he's been on our podcast, actually. He's a very smart hockey guy. He knows his stuff. Uh, he's a diehard Dallas Stars fan. And I can t- I don't know if you've ever met a, a Dallas native, but they're almost always primarily Dallas Cowboys fans. He is actually a diehard Stars fan over the Cowboys, and that doesn't happen very often from Dallas. He knows his hockey. And his number one hated team is the Colorado Avalanche. And so is that a, is that a normal rivalry between the Stars and Avalanche? 
I'd say for Avs fans, their number one rival is Minnesota. Okay. But right. when it comes to Dallas, I'd say after 2020, they'd definitely be in the, the number two spot. If we okay. played them last year, if they ended up being in the, the West like they were supposed to be, they'd probably be number one right now. He seems now to reference the late 90s is why he can't stand the Avs or the well, 90s. I wasn't, well, I, I wasn't guess there were some, then, so I can't really attest there to was that. Some, but... he, he seems to reference that there were some battles between – I guess you'd have to go to hockey reference. We can look it up. But, he, yeah, for some reason he doesn't really like the, uh, the Avs at all as a Stars fan. He also hates the Predators. So uh, that's why we brought him on our podcast. It was pretty fun conversation with him. Well, but, uh, some people just have poor taste, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, well gentlemen, we appreciate you letting us join your, uh, join your yes, podcast. Thank you. Yeah, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure having you guys on. Thank you all so much for, for taking the time to come on. If you want to take uh, the next few minutes or so to just plug your show, plug your socials, feel free to go right ahead. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we're uh, at Catfish Ice on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, we also all write for Predlines.com for the fan-sided network, so you can check out our work there. And we are a fellow podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, uh, it's myself, Chad Minton, at Chad underscore Minton, and co-host, and that's Rich Howe, at Rich underscore Howe underscore nine, and at Colin Bluen. Uh, so, yeah, we are an awesome team. We love talking Preds hockey, and we're still kind of getting into the Nashville community. And, um, yeah, so we appreciate you. I like Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's been a, it's been a real blast having you guys on, and hopefully we'll we can talk again soon. Hopefully even before the December date. And best luck to you guys this season. You too. Thanks, man. Thank you, Thank you very much. <laughs>